0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen.
1: We are tonight's entertainment. Good.
0: it! Yes! Sir. I don't know who I am! Did IQs just
1: drop shot? I could have been. I, I, I have been
0: a plan. I like this
1: all shit. It off, bro. It is. You're
0: here. Your... Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Let the games begin. and welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And this week we are going to be delineating our top films of 2017.
2: Fuck you, twenty seventeen. It's over.
0: It's over, done. I just wanna make sure that you guys understand that we're not saying that these are the best films of two thousand seventeen. So these no. are going to be what we call our top films, our favorite watches, the favorite yeah, ones Yeah,
2: the ones we saw. I mean we'll try and we'll try and remind you which ones we haven't seen as we go along, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean look you're in Ireland I'm in Quebec okay and that's it this isn't Los Angeles this isn't New York where they have all <laughs> the movies all the time before yeah, everyone mm-hmm. else even in Toronto I mean I get some of those movies sometimes you know and so yeah, th- there's exactly. a list of like uh, like today I will not be mentioning BPM I haven't had a chance to watch Florida Project. Phantom Thread, I don't even know when the hell that's
2: being released here. I, yeah, sometime this month maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I know The Shape
0: of Water just got here, so I can probably go uh-huh. see that. Mudbound, I haven't had a chance to get to. Personal Shopper, I haven't had a chance to get to. Lady Bird is only being released at the end of January here. Mm. Uh, and Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, I, I think it came and it was here for one day
2: yeah I, it's coming out like later this month as well you know so I, again yeah. lots of those items. i even i've seen shape of water but technically it doesn't come out didn't come out in 2017 i've seen it going to a festival i don't feel like i can count it because i because the way i've worked my list is based off uk dates and so right. that's why a lot of the like there's oscar films from last year that's gonna throw up a couple of people that weren't on my list last year if you go back to it you'll be like oh that was a great film what the fuck wasn't that doing on my top 10 and i was right. like yeah, cause it wasn't out it wasn't out to like january or February, and same again here. There's a lot of the films you just met, like Lady Bird, for, for example. Heard great things about. I don't think it's out here till February the same. I think it's out in the same week as shape of water here. And you know, so I, I kind of, I just, I decided that was the best way to, to handle it, to to put myself in the mind frame. What if I were just working with what I got?
0: No, that's it. And so, I mean, like the, the, the movies that I just listed for me are the ones that I, I will get to eventually. And I'm looking forward to seeing mm. them. The thing is, is that I just haven't had a chance either because they're not here or I just, uh, even if I had a screener for one of them, I just didn't sit down to watch it. Yeah, you know? I, I've been on movie overload, to be honest. And after this episode, I'm, I'm gonna have to take a break because my brain is yeah. just fucking fried. I just want to sit down and enjoy something. You know, I've been watching a little bit more basketball, and that's been doing a good job on on my brain. Yeah
2: and you you think these lists are small this year wait till we get the next year jesus christ
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing yeah that's why i see these are my favorite films and maybe not the best films but they're the ones that actually had an impact on me and that i really really will love revisiting time and time again
2: yeah absolutely so i mean the the format we do have top tens You, you might have actual number 10 i definitely have a 10 like a yeah. short list, <clears throat> but the format is mostly going to be honorable mentions are going to be there. It's going to be a long list of those. That are like favorite films that didn't make the cut. and uh we'll 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 clarify which ones made our top 10 as we go along something like that there
0: are movies on the list that are that we've already talked about on other shows and we haven't shied away from doing that as well so if you're tuning in just now well go back and listen to those shows after yeah we'll we'll point point you in the
2: direction each time uh, yeah because there's definitely a number of on here that i think you know whatever i'm gonna say today i've said it better before (laughs) That's exactly how
0: I feel too. But these are the ones that stuck in my head. So I'm looking forward to this. But before we get to our honorable mentions, you had mentioned to me just before we started recording that you had two films that you weren't too high on that you wanted to kind of put out there so that people could either watch uh, to have a really terrible time or just watch
2: ironically. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's something to be gained from pointing out the bad films uh, sometimes (laughs) only because... uh, i like I'm, I'm saving you all the hassle um uh, because i i think these are interesting examples of bad films there's right. other bad films that are less interesting to talk about like um sing now, there's nothing to talk about sing you know i didn't see the emoji movie and i'm sure it would have been there too I, I know i can i can smell how bad that one was
0: <laughs> i forbade my daughters from seeing it yeah I, <laughs> because they, they were like hey we want to see the emoji movie i was like listen this is my money and no yeah not, not, not life. <laughs> so your fucking i'm not life. taking you to see that fuck that thing is not just that i mean my daughters like i've I've mentioned this before they like a little bit more complicated movies and this is just bright colors and bullshit and i don't want to and just just i could smell the greed come off the screen when i saw the trailer for that fucking piece of shit you know it's it's
2: it's incredible like this is the thing at least i when big picture reviews was going i sent lawrence to see it Oh uh, no, you know what he seen it on his own accord to surprise me with a review because I would never ask <laughs> him to do and uh he came back it his review was one was an emoticon and it was like an unpleased emoticon and he given an f but like off off the site he was describing some of the scenes and content of the film to me, and holy shit this is inc- it it sounds incredible i do I, like more of a curiosity wants me to go and check it out just to see like. How low things can go, how, like, you can cram in a a Just Dance app and a fucking Candy Crush app into a a narrative and pretend it's something to do with actually telling the story and not just cynical money-grabbing crap and flying on Twitter birds to save the day. I mean, uh, like, there's insane shit happens in this film that does sound like a surrealist nightmare, like a film that details existentialist capitalist dread in all its colorful glory, but, like... I like, I see that so much every day. I don't know if I could ever fucking put myself through it.
0: (laughs) I don't know. It sounded like to me, anyway. When they they probably watched Wreck It Ralph and say, yeah. How can we make this shitty? Exactly. You know, it really <laughs> feels that that's what the emoji movie was. But anyway, we yeah. don't want to talk anymore about that. We're actually spending too much time. There's probably a good movie we should have mentioned before. <laughs> yeah, already yeah. Absolutely. So get get to get to the ones that you kind of just want to give a little bitch slap to and we can move on from there. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So the two the two films, they both have the, the a common thread, which is that they're both adaptations of Japanese work. Uh okay. the first is ghost in the shell that came out this year uh the 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 remake i I mean it's an adaptation to an extent but it's also a a semi-remake of the anime film that was based on the manga that came before it uh it's it's robocop it's just robocop and it's nowhere near as good as actual robocop Uh, i haven't watched it yeah i i think it's it's a good example of if you've seen one film and see how americans adapt films that are from yeah. other countries i think it's another perfect proto example of how to miss the point in attempting to appease mass audiences i think wow. it's fascinating as an insight to to the minds of american film production it's not a terrible film that's the thing it's it's hard to say much of the films that I've seen this year were terrible. You know, like, Ghost of the Shell is a, is an applicably fine film. You can watch it. It's, it's a, it's a poor man's Robocop, but it's a Robocop. So, I mean, it's a film. Uh, right. it's got like an us v them story and it sometimes raised some interesting questions about the nature of consent in, okay. especially when it comes to like governments. But like, all of that was done and done so much better and such a more riveting way in the original anime. Uh, and, right. and it it kind of on its own terms, it's an okay film that looks bad in comparison. But in terms of the scale of how good the anime was next to it, it 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 hurts it that much more because it's such a dumbing down and watering down of the material. So I only want to put it on the list just to say, go see the original material, see it after you see the anime, see how it compares. I think it's interesting to look at films like that sometimes. Uh so that's why I wanted to put that on there. The other one is the Netflix adaptation of Death Note. Death Note something I I absolutely love. Uh, I've read the manga, I, I've watched the anime. I rewatched it after seeing this film to see just how off the mark it was cuz it's not a super long series. It's 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 already right. got about 30 episodes or something like that, uh, uh, and it's so good. It's uh it's it's just one of those perfectly realized moral existential questions, and the Netflix adaptation makes it into a sort of story about some geek whose girlfriend gets hard for him every time he kills people and that's like it's not wow. it's it's incredible like I, I, again a great example of how american directors miss the point although i will say the american direction of this is getting a lot of hate. And that's, okay. it's totally unfair. Uh, the, the director is Adam Wingard, I think his name. He's, he's directed oh, some horror films. Some notable ones, I think, that people actually do know. Uh, and I, I, he was, what he was trying to do was make it into something akin to a American high school traditional horror. Uh, something like Prom Night, those kind of films. And, uh, it, 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 and what he was doing, I, I believe, was an interesting idea. He was setting it up to be like a proper Americanization and also kind of a self-parody in that sense. So that, there was good right. stuff there. The real issue is that there are four fucking writers on this film and there's way too many cooks. Uh, the, the film is totally all over the place. It is at one point a, attempting to be a send-up of the original Death Note. At one point, somewhat, I think, Wingard himself uh, was trying to give his vision of interpreting the material for American audiences in an actual American right. traditional way. Uh, there, There's another writer who clearly likes his genre horror and was trying to work in, like, tropes of that. And there was another person... I don't know who was it was just off the the set for a, a John Green book and 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 was trying to work in a sort of tragic uh teenage coming of age romance into the narrative uh, and, it, right. and none of it works uh, together, they are four totally different things, they're whole threats you you know it's telling when a film ends, and uh it shows you bloopers of the filming of this film and it's a oh no, it's a drama horror, you know, like it's not a comedy but it's it's ending right. like how much fun it was to film this as if like they know it was never going to work <laughs> and uh, oh Jesus it's like an admission <laughs> almost uh and I think that's that's good I, I, there are some good performances and stuff in here I really liked um I really liked uh Keith Stanfield he uh he plays the 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 person who goes missing at the very start of Get Out
0: right okay yeah where well, he's the guy who yells Get Out
2: yeah yeah exactly that guy he was excellent in this film he does a very shaky interpretation of the character L from the anime and it's, it's a really it's a really good version I really liked it I think there's there's so many ways to fuck up bringing this character to screen uh and, right. and he doesn't do it you know so there's there are parts like that but that's all details all i wanted to say was definitely didn't work in its own right because it couldn't tell its own version of the story cohesively okay so i think again another exciting thing for people who want to see certain bad examples of films, uh, to see, there is a lot to learn, I feel, from bad examples. I think a lot of people could gain something, and that's why I wanted to point them out. There's a lot of crap films this year, but that, who cares? Those are the ones that, I, that are interesting, at least, for being how, right. for how crap they are.
0: Yeah, that's, I don't have any, like, you know, bad films or worst films or anything like that. Uh, there was one that I wanted to throw out there just to piss people off, but I decided to, to,
2: to, to not do <laughs> yeah, that. Rain yourself in. Uh, because it's
0: by no means a bad movie at all. It would just be me just kind of, just poking fun just for fun, so i won 't do that this year, uh, but I do want to say this, as we move on to our honorable mentions and the list, Lee and i haven 't even disclosed our our our, our list right. to each other uh-huh. uh, so that we could actually surprise each other as we move along. I think you know I told you what my top films are just because uh, I had a, I was hesitant uh, between the two uh, because I have two different reactions to them, but yeah. I love them equally. Exactly. But I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, well, all right. I'm going to start with my honorable mention, uh, the one at the bottom of my list. And the reason why it's at the bottom of my list for honorable mentions is because it's not about the movie itself. It's about the experience I had in the movie theater watching this film and also the subsequent discussion I had with Lee about uh-huh. it. And my first honorable mention of 2017 is Fate of the Furious. Oh, of course. And I understand that most of you guys are going to be like, what the (laughs) fuck, Jason? Are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding you. And the reason I'm not kidding you is because I had such a fun time watching that piece of junk. (laughs) For exactly what it was. I went with my friend Juan to the movie theater. He, didn't, he First of all, he didn't believe that I, that's exactly what I wanted to go see <laughs> because Lee and I had decided we were going to intellectualize the entire film. It turned out to be one of our, uh, my favorite shows to record. Absolutely. And so I think that just out of pure experience for 2017, Fatal Furious has to go in my honorable mentions because it provided me with so much fucking joy that I, it would be stupid of me to not include it on the list. So that would be the, my number one honorable mention. All right, so that, that was my joke honorable mention <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) The one that I mean, that I had a really fun time doing. Uh, Now, the more serious honorable mentions of movies that I really had a great time uh, watching because of um, pure cinematic addiction, if you will. The fact that I liked that these there were these crazy ideas that people were trying. I thought yeah. it was really fun to see these things. So this, yeah, no particular order, no particular format or anything like that. So I'm just going to name them as they come, yeah. okay? I have a list here and I'll just pick and choose from them. One of my uh, favorite films of the year, which is going to be an honorable mention, it doesn't go in my, my top films, is a film called Patty Cakes ah, uh, that I just yeah. recently watched and to me, it was the movie that 8 Mile wanted to be without Eminem and it's about this... Um, this woman uh who who is um i don 't know what what other term to use uh, as uh, instead of overweight so i 'm really sorry i don't mean to be insulting or anything like that and she is a a fascinating fascinating actor i don 't have her name i don 't know who directed it i 'm really sorry mm. but if ever you guys get a chance to watch the movie patty cakes it 's about this this band of weird rebels that have decided that they are going to work together in order to make rap music yeah, or hip hop uh-huh. music and they're just really good at it it's set in new jersey and to me it's a really fun interesting coming-of-age story that is paint by numbers but at the same time very heartwarming mm. and so if ever you guys get a chance to watch patty cakes i highly recommend it, it I had a great time the music is great the performances are all solid uh, and it's just a really great time, man. It was one of the movies that I watched, I think it was two or three weeks ago. And I, I, Andrew from AB Film Review is the one who said, hey, check this out. I'm pretty sure you're going to like it. And he was 100% right. I fell in love with this movie. <laughs> so it, it's an honorable mention because it's one of the movies that I could show my daughters and say, look, you know when they tell you that anything is possible, that small victories come, you know, but through failure, through getting taunted, from being bullied. Yeah. And look, at the other end of it. If you trust in your instinct and believe in yourself, you can accomplish some some form of small victories. Yeah, yeah. And Patty Cakes is a real that's, testament that's to that. So it's good. a
2: wonderful, wonderful film. That's great. I, I would love to get around to it. I remember watching the trailer for it and going, that looks fucking hilarious. Good. It's good. I didn't hear a lot of conversation about it, so it's good somebody's fighting its corner. <laughs> uh, I don't It's a really... It's a solid, solid film.
0: Uh, moving on. I'm going to name uh, two documentaries that I had a fun time watching. The first one was Nobody Speak, The Trials of the Free Press. Hmm. And it had to do with the um, Hulk Hogan scandal, I think, where there was a sex tape involving the the Hulk Hogan, the wrestler. And um, it's just weird because the whole documentary there turns into this this people wanting to control what the hell is going on in the press. And mm. it goes all the way. I think it was the Peter... Deal that has to do with uh, uh, I think it was eBay.
2: Yeah, it does. Surely it deals with um, Gawker Media as well. They got shut down in the wake of. There that. you go. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. That's
0: the other part. Yeah, and so it's just a real interesting documentary to see that this isn't this isn't even about saving face. It's actually being able to manipulate what people are seeing in the news. Mm. You know, and trying to bury stories because uh, like money's involved and they don't want to be doing this and you're not allowed to publish this type of thing because Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be private information. And I think that if anybody wants to see just like especially in the climate that we're going on right now, the media has been part of the media for a very, very long time in 2017 ever since Trump got elected. And I mean – There's more and more – there are more and more stories that are going to be coming out that are going to be somewhat similar to Nobody Speak the Trials of the Free Press. Mm -hmm. So that would be the first documentary. The other one is Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond. Oh, yeah. I I didn't get to see
2: this, but I heard weird and good things about it.
0: (laughs) To be honest, I'm still kind of perplexed by it because I'm not sure that Jim Carrey is not acting in this documentary. <laughs> I don't know if he believes everything he's saying because it's a wow. fascinating character study of how he became a method actor for this particular role in Man on the Moon which came out I think in 1999. Yeah. And this was Jim Carrey. I mean, um I think it was just post Truman show. Where he decided I'm gonna become a real Actors Actor. actor. I'm yeah. not gonna keep doing yeah, I'm not gonna keep doing Ace Ventura or the Mask or anything mm-hmm. like that. But he was he was huge. This is the Jim Carrey period, you know? Mm-hmm. Right after like the nineteen ninety-four Dumb and Dumber mask and all that stuff. And so this is him trying to kinda you know, change his career path and become like, I want to be taken seriously. I needed a great job in Man in the Moon. But then after that, when you start realizing just the amount of, you know, you, you think Jared Leto was an asshole in Suicide <laughs> Squad? Then you probably should watch Jim and Andy because you'd probably be like, Jim Carrey was a bit of a dick too no shit. during the shooting of that. Was it normal for him to do that type of thing? And even hearing his explanations of it, you can't help but feel weirded out mm. by the level of commitment someone will put into Developing a character they have to portray it goes to the point where you're like, where's the where where does the line yeah, go yeah. between make believe, you know, where, where where's the acting line and becoming yeah, something that's, else. That's what so what, when does art,
2: you know, what 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 qualifies yeah. the, the level of input for art? And um, what qualifies as just being a nuisance? <laughs> yeah. Well, that yeah. that's the
0: other thing. But, I mean, Milos Forman did a great job in directing that. And, I mean, to me, if anybody fancies themselves somewhat of a director, mm. give yourselves the pleasure of watching The Great Beyond, Jim and Andy, because this will help you handle <laughs> cases of people becoming insane on a film <laughs> set. Because had, had Forman decided, you know, hey, stop fucking around. You know, had he gone Hitchcock on him mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm not putting up with your bullshit, that production would have been way worse than it actually turned yeah. out to be. So Foreman gave into it, and he was able to. Um, it's, it's a masterclass in directing someone who's very difficult to work with, and I thought that was
2: very, very interesting. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, yeah, I mean, the only documentary I've seen this year, uh, I am not your Negro. The oh. it was the uh, the adaptation of uh, the memoirs of James Baldwin. I'm not. I, I won't say too much about it because all I'll say about it really is that it's kind of my thirteenth for 2017. I think it's uh, it's another perfect look at how fucked up and how fucked over the, the black community in America have, have had to, uh, how much they've had to endure. And, and James Baldwin is a fascinating insight into that entire landscape. He's right there with the three big names of the civil rights movement. He really does add a, both like a, a bitterness and, a, and an anger, but also does, he, he's very eloquent in how he produces his thoughts on, on, on the entire climate at the time. Uh, fascinating another great it's it, if 13th is now i am not your negro was then and so they kind of make a perfect little combination nice uh so again fascinating absolutely worth um watching and that's all i'll say you'll you'll gain a lot more from watching it than some white guy telling you how to feel about
0: it <laughs> <laughs> let's see another one of my honorable mentions uh this this is one that was uh going to be part of my top 10 And it's dropped out of my top ten. And the reason for that is I didn't really feel the need to revisit Uh, it. And I'm talking about uh, A Ghost Story. Ghost Story. one of the best films to come out this year uh, in in the experimental nature of it. Uh, just like the bare bones story, the visual storytelling is absolutely off the charts. Uh, and not only that, Ghost Story was part of the whole experience for us at Atlantic SC actually making it to our first film festival. Uh, so the Fantasia Film Festival, which was absolutely wonderful. And so, I mean, my my viewing of the film at that point, I was really high on it because of the experience that I'd had not only watching the film, but the the experience that I had and just kind of yeah, around yeah. the film as well. Absolutely. So it kind of gave it a heightened reality. Now given the time that I've had to take, you know, to to think about it it and bring it down. Mm. Exactly. Now, if I take the film for what it is, it's an excellent film, but it's not one that I can kind of tell people to watch Mm. because – it's really going to be one of those divisive movies. Although I really, really, really enjoy it. And I think it's one of the best films to come out this year. I don't really feel the need to rewatch yeah, it. I've absolutely. seen it twice and I'm like, it's really good. Is it top 10 material for me? Not really. I think that I'll probably end up rewatching it a couple more times. Mm-hmm. And it'll be one of those uh, interesting movies that I'd love to teach. You know, when you're talking about narrative, when you're talking, you know, teaching film to students. Yeah, absolutely. You can actually use this like you're talking about visual storytelling that's what movies is and i think a ghost story is one of those prime examples of what visual storytelling is actually about but it still is a very complicated art piece that i can't yeah, recommend put your full everyone. weight behind i have to know yeah. what your sensibility exactly absolutely no i i'm like,
2: on i'm on the exact same page it's here in my honorable mentions didn't make the top 10 list despite you know at the time on big picture reviews i give it an a plus on the show so did I, I, yeah, I, yeah it's still yeah, there exactly and uh the show we talked about a lot about how it connects Emotionally about, um, universal grief was something I was talking about. And, uh, I, I still, yeah. I still believe that's a, uh, it's, it's a great film for analyzing that kind of thing. I still think as an artwork, it's very interpretive, but also very universally applicable. I think everybody can get more or less something out of it, even if you don't love it as a whole. Yeah. Uh, I, but I, I'm the same. I, uh, I think it's, it's technically a perfect film, but, uh, yeah, because is. it relies so much it, and this is, it, maybe it's undoing, or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just how it will appeal more to others than it does to me is that it is so based on an emotional experience. Uh, and an emotional mm-hmm. experience, well, for one, uh, hardly can ever be recaptured. Uh, so that will be something when it comes to reviewing. I, I don't think it will ever be hit again. But also, I think of that emotional experience. A lot of my top 10 films, I got more of an emotional experience out of and i think when it comes to universal grief a lot of the stories i preferred were stories that were more about like universal love in comparison you know something far more positive and i think grief is important to tell in stories i think that i mean everybody goes through it and and preemptive grieving as well something i went into i think everybody goes into that and nobody really talks about the fact we do it Mm. i think a ghost story is a a perfect example of looking into that kind of, of of experience and, uh, I think I, I absolutely, without a doubt, recommend it to people. But when I look back on 10 films that matter to me personally, uh, it doesn't yeah. just quite make the cut. So I'm exactly in the same boat as you are. Cool. Uh, another film I've seen this year was, uh, Detroit. It's an honorable mention. A Catherine Bigelow film. Uh, yeah, I, it's weird. It didn't make the top list, even though it was incredibly, uh, affecting. And, like, I sat, mouth agape watching the end of the film it's a miserable horrible experience it's it's the quietest horror film of the year and i i hated it because it was so deeply unsettling and cruel and i the whole time i just wanted it to be over but that was the point it's it's entirely that story it's it's a horrible point in time it's a horrible experience to watch it. it it just makes you angry and that's what it should do it make it made me fucking angry right these these poor people are getting shit upon by the fucking police again, of course. And it just goes on. It just seems like there's so many ways for it to diffuse and then it just goes up another level and the fact this all really happened, it's awful. It's an awful experience and Detroit encapsulates it so well it would be remiss of anyone to disclude it just because it's uncomfortable right it's, uh, I do not recommend it I, I do recommend it I do think it's a hard one to watch to me I, I can't kind of shake it off you know and that's why you know I feel right. like it has to get a mention at some point even though I don't like look back on, on the 10 of this year so fondly and go like Detroit's up there I remember being broken down you know <laughs> like it's not the case not 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 joyous like that but it's absolutely a recommendation it's a wonderful film it's just just prepare yourself it's it's also not a it's not a fun watch by any stretch of the imagination
0: yeah i I'm, i i've been meaning to get to it the reason why i haven't seen it yet is because my my vision of the whole movie production wise has been kind of skewed because of a teacher i have uh, or had i should say uh, when i was in university i took an um african american literature yeah, course right. you know it was a survey of Of uh, of, of a lot of african-american literature and that the teacher in question is is a guy who studies that and i became his research assistant and i've been kind of close to this material for quite some time and so i have trouble making up my mind because I, i feel sometimes that uh this individual as much as i love him will make you feel guilty for liking something because it's improperly made yeah i get you and so detroit We were supposed to possibly have him on the show to come discuss that and he hadn't seen the movie yet and was already dismissive of it because of the fact that this was made by white people Mm -hmm. and there was white people telling an African-American story or a black story from that period in time. And I can understand the issue there, but I haven't really made up my mind as to how I'm going to feel about it. So what I want to do, what I wanted to do is kind of give myself that distance so that that voice in my head just kind of goes down and I can go in and watch it because the discourse that came out of it was like, white people are paying to see black people be brutalized again. And I was oh, like, "That's, is that's that, isn't that just a one-sided way of seeing to, it?
2: To analyze it that way. I think it's a frightening insight to the damage white people do to black people. I don't think it's uh, fetishizing black violence, you know?
0: Well, that's, that was his point on it. And he hadn't seen the movie yet. And the, the discourse that he'd got, speaking with a lot of individuals that 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 had seen the movie at that point that it came off as something like that
2: it's it's so it's it's a little difficult as well and that it does portray the mindset of the white people it's not trying to apologize on their behalf it's just telling you this is how they got to where they were and i'm sure a lot of people do read that as it's it's saying the white people had their reasons you know but those reasons are insane you know they're madness. And to pretend that they actually reflect sense or, or empathy in any sense is, is to go insane yourself. So, I mean, th- I, how anybody could think this was a film. I, I understand the, the questionability about white people telling the story, but it's not, it's less about empathy for the, the black people involved. And I get where a black voice would have done that part maybe better. This was more about taking yeah. down the white people involved and showing how, right. mo- how fucking disastrous and monstrous their side of the story is and how fucked up their mindset was and i think that is there's a relevant side to that conversation as well because that it all has to change you know and that's why the white people who are going to see this film have to watch this fucking film and go oh so that's how they made up their minds to do this you know and i i think right. that is an important narrative to tell I don't think it's more important or that it's even comparable really to the, to the, but, to the empathy required. But that, that's yeah. why
0: I have trouble a little bit with what is being said, because the teacher I have is white.
2: <laughs> and so to me, there's, <laughs>
0: it's kind of, a, there's an inherent irony there where I'm like, well, is, aren't you teaching me African American history kind of doing the yeah, same this, thing? I, I get Should that. I, yeah. what's, what's the validity <laughs> that you have as an individual who's teaching me this shit? If I'm going to, Get someone to teach it, should I actually be taught by a person not only who has lived that mm. but is also of the race involved yeah, yeah. and so mm. I'm kind of like torn right now with with the that that weirdness yeah, where that. I'm like eh, I really want to see the picture because I like that ba- I like Bigelow. But at the same time I'm like, ah man, what do I do? Do I am I am I supposed to be outraged that it's white people that have made this movie? Yeah. I have no idea. I'm not, yeah,
2: I'm not I won't I won't sugarcoat it. It's a complicated affair, obviously. It's a complicated story to yeah. tell. It's complicated in how it got made. It's complicated who made it and and and, and what I'm trying to say is, is complicated in itself, but I think I walked away from it thinking I got the intended dis- nature of the narrative. And I, right. I, li- I lining that up with uh, how we would want humanity to change in the future, I would see that as the intended outcome. And I think other people will see it that way too. So I think that's as base as basis I, I can make so. it. That's That's why I would recommend Detroit because but it does that, more good my, than bad my... in any. Extent yeah. of the imagination.
0: That's where my problem lies at the same time because, I mean, obviously, we're both white. Yeah. And so because there's white people communicating this message, we'll get that message. Yeah. Mm. However, is it the message that someone who is African-American descent would have been, like, just saying, this is the way I would have told the story? Yeah. What I would have loved to see is... um what a black audience thinks. Yeah, like. so absolutely. I think that would, that would give us a little bit more insight. So, but anyway, but it's, it's something I want to see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Something on the lighter side. <laughs> I had three comedies lined up that, um, I'll talk about in terms of honorable mentions, and the three are uh, Baby Driver, uh, Colossal, and The Big Sick. Cool. Three movies that I had a really fun time watching. Colossal and The Big Sick are movies that I watched at home. Uh, I didn't watch them in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Baby Driver I saw on vacation uh, during the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baby Driver, we have an episode on it. If you guys want to know what we thought about it, go straight yeah, to that.
2: I'll, I'll, I'll chime in here and say it's an honorable mention for me. It's, it was a fun episode to talk about, uh, because it's not exactly a critical kind of film. It's very much a, it's a, a... it's kind of it's an enjoyable popcorn film. It's, it's a well made popcorn film. And that was fun to talk about. But it, yeah, it's, uh, it's an honorable mention. It doesn't make the top 10. It's not, not as succinct. You don't get as much, but I, I will be watching it again and again, that kind of thing. But yeah, the other two I haven't actually seen, so I am interested in seeing your thoughts on it.
0: Oh, a well, colossal. I mean, it was one of those movies that, uh, I'd heard, kind of good goofy things from yeah. there. like what the hell is this concept mm-hmm. and to be honest i uh, i i dig the concept and the story just as much i actually hesitated about including this in my top 10 of the year, but I didn't. I figured, you know what, this is probably a movie I'm going to enjoy rewatching to kind of pick apart just a little bit, but at the same time, I got the message the first time around, so it's not something that exactly pays off over and over again. Yeah. Same thing for Baby Driver with me, where I'm like, this is fun, but I don't need to yeah, re-watch exactly. I don't need to pick it apart anymore mm-hmm. or anything like that. And the same with The Big Sick. The Big Sick is, is really good in terms of, um, you know, relationships and uh, different cultures kind of clashing and whatnot, and I thought it was a really good, fun comedy we needed something like that and so all, all of these movies have a very good message at the heart of them mm-hmm. they're a really good time and if ever you guys have some time to kill
2: please get to them no totally agreed on baby driver and uh, we'll get around to the other two uh, I'll, I'll go for two films uh, honorable mentions that you i don't think you've seen uh because i'll say i don't want to step on too many toes too early on uh one of them is raw Uh, The the French horror film. I I knew you wouldn't (laughs) watch that one yet because it's you. You need to well. You have to. You have to rally your your efforts when it comes to horror. And uh, I'd say this one. It's it's interesting because it's more gross than it is scary. Uh, Actually, it's not scary at all. Okay. But um, yeah, it's a film that really got across how gross and uncomfortable our own sexuality is. Uh, and while also daring to parallel that with how miserable and daunting our siblings or inspirers or peers can be while we're dealing with that sexuality, it's a messy and it's horrible. It's a very uncomfortable watch. Uh, and it's fantastic. Like it is, it's really, really, really good. It's, it's, it's easily one of the most bizarre affecting films I've seen though. The images stick in your head. Right. Uh, the other one, very far more palatable, but weird in its own way is, uh, Aksha. Uh, that was on Netflix. The right. super pig movie. See, yeah. yeah, I didn't think you'd seen that one either. <laughs> Ochia is, is a messy fucking film. Uh, but as, as, if you've listened to our, our Last Jedi conversation, uh, Messy is Good by Me. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> I have so many fond memories of this film. I think, um, I think of Paul Dano finally finding the perfect role for him as a baby-faced anime-style badass grassroots freedom fighter. I think is is beyond perfect. How he hasn't been portraying like anime styled characters in his history and film so far is beyond me because he is so good in this film. Okay, Jake Gillenhall as well has probably my favorite quote of all film this year because uh, I use it so often. That it's uh, <laughs> you can't fake these emotions, and, uh, and uh, <laughs> he's this greasy, creepy nature documentary guy. Okay, and I each time I now see these nature documentaries. Are are these uh, these geographical documentaries on TV, and this guy, you you could see where the cuts are in the film where these guys could potentially be assholes off screen, and how they put on right. their TV face for a bit to give some meaningful speech. And I can't get this character out of my head. I'm like, oh my god, that's great, it's so perfect. Uh, again, all the other characters in it are fantastic. I loved Miju, the the little girl. I loved her cynical asshole grandfather. I will say I never really I wasn't super sold on the on the emotional aspect of the story, so I'll say that. Okay. Uh but I don't think you have to be to enjoy it. I think it's um I think it's a gorgeous made film. I think it's a, it's full of like super memorable action sequences like a parade Mm -hmm. and a motorcycle chase to to catch up with a moving fan i think there's so many cool moments in it uh that it doesn't really matter what it's really trying to say as long as it ultimately means well and it does mean well but there's so many fun, quirky characters here, and it's whether it's worth your time to actually make something of it, I don't know. I, I, I just enjoyed the ride, I, and I think it's fine to enjoy the ride sometimes. So I think Auction is just one of okay. those honorable mention, because uh, it stuck with me the entire year, and I've I, I, I absolutely loved it. I would love to watch it again just to steal characters from it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Lucky. Lucky, yeah. I didn't see this.
0: Lucky. With Harry Dean Stanton in his last performance, it's just a heartwarming tale about getting old. Mm. You know, finding connection and whatnot. And I really had a great time. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. Do yourselves a favor and watch watch Lucky. I mean, coming to terms with what you've done in your life, where you're headed, what, what, what do you make of the time that's left, I think was a very, very touching story. Uh, and as a last performance, obviously, Harry Dean Stanton, it was just fucking awesome to see him like just be great one last yeah, time. Yeah, right. And so if ever you guys get a chance to do that, watch Lucky. It is a very, very beautiful film. Not even, a, it's not, I wouldn't even say a coming of age. It would actually be a coming to terms <laughs> oh, uh, cool. film. And I think that's really great. Yeah. You know, it, it, very seldom do we see old age portrayed in that way and i think that stanton does a great job mm.
2: well here's a a more uh divisive one especially for me but i feel like i would be remiss to leave it off honorable mentions because i'm still thinking about it and that is martin scorsese's silence oh
0: that's a last year movie for us yeah well okay. yeah
2: it came out january 1st here so it was literally on the ball it's interesting we talked about maybe doing the film for an episode at one point yeah i didn't did want not to. want to do it <laughs> because i i I still feel I'm very jaded about it right it's a super unfair movie because i i it's got so much narrative bias, and that bothers me a lot It, it kind of skews the argument in favor of its protagonist's suffering uh which ultimately makes its antagonist seem inhuman and and unstoppable, which is i I okay. feel is unfair I, when I was watching it, I was just like these people cannot be this cruel they there could be cruel actions, but the way that they're tormenting this one guy over all of them. It feels almost like a self-insert. It also cheats at the end, I think. Uh, It kind of robs us of a human story for an inhuman story. Uh, Okay. It it, it favors what could be an, an actual cutoff point in human understanding. And then greets us this great moment with Liam Neeson. It's the most human thing. This beautiful conversation uh, about knowing where to draw the line, you know.
0: That conversation to me was the most Star Wars <laughs> conversation really is, yeah. about a certain point exactly. of view. <laughs> that is not in a Star Wars But movie. it was... I don't I, want to be insulting, but it felt it, like but that. But it was kind of, It
2: was like... It, it felt like to me like the perfect takeaway from the film was right in that conversation. That dialogue if the film had ended there i would have been like holy shit they like they show how opinions clash how people can get messed up in what they're trying to do and how sometimes you just kind of lose you know you kind of sometimes the powers that be are weighted against you and and you come to terms with that and you can come to terms with that and liam neeson shows you can come to terms with that and i think that's gorgeous and i think that had Andrew Garfield's character taken a little bit more of that on board we would have been left with a story that was far less divisive far more relatable than what ultimately happens which is uh, he kind of falls back in the old habits or secretly stows away his Christianity because fuck humanity he can faith never dies even though we've been shown a character where faith dies faith never dies and like uh, I I don't agree I think that 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 is that's wishful thinking and I get that though to be fair I still i i can't help but think it's an incredible insight into the mind of the devout. just in the way that the film is is framed and the the story is told and how it ends that gives me more an insight to like the people who made it and the man who wrote it and the man who directed it you know that kind of there's that desperation to paint pictures that way to equate religion as a challenge and faith as a battle you can cheat at you know that's it's it's, that's fascinating because it's not how i think and I can't dismiss it because it's, it is someone's take, you know, and, and so in that being and how it is, and I, I don't agree that the, it, 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 to me, it misses what was the real heart of the story to tell a different story, which is fine. But I can't help but admire how beautiful and well told this weird other take of the story was. Yeah,
0: I, I understand where you're coming from when, with regards to Silence. I think it's a very carefully crafted film. It's a beautiful film. Uh, the performances are absolutely yeah. marvelous. It, gives you, does, it does give you insight into how Scorsese feels about mm-hmm. Faith in general. Uh, and I agree with you that it is, there is a cop-out at the end where you're like, oh come on, man. <laughs> you You didn't have to... I feel like you're at a poker table all right and then you finally realize someone's got a cheat card up its sleeve yeah yeah of up, up his sleeve where you're like oh come on you're not allowed to play that card exactly let, let let the audience decide you know let the audience make up their mind do they agree with Liam Neeson because by playing what what he did at the end by showing that cross in the hand and it's glowing and all that shit you you it kind of robs us a little bit of what Neeson's saying and it kind of also gets us to question is liam neeson's character actually lying yeah yeah he could be doing the same thing you know
2: i do think it it is seeing the universality of of faith as applicable to all people in their private moments yeah which i think is untrue (laughs) and uh and it is it's heavily biased to me but again like i said it it does give us an insight into the people who are thinking like that so i mean it's true to
0: them but I, uh, I I feel like the overall message sometimes is when I got to the end of it, and because I, I watched it twice, and I felt like at the end it was like, I felt like he was saying, it's okay to be pig headed.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that is kind of true, you know? But again, <laughs> it's I something like, I said. Is that really like, what you that's want? Not, that's not how I see the world, you know? That's not how I, I want people to walk away from a film going, oh yeah you know what I could be an arrogant asshole and think whatever I think and it's all me as if it doesn't affect people which isn't true it always affects people that's the thing kind of yeah you that's can't really yeah. keep something private and also be in society and and uh, and think it doesn't have any bearing on how you relate to other people so I, I think that 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 doubling down on that is a negative message and I don't like I, I don't want to promote films that without an asterisk that I that I think are going to give people the wrong impression uh, and I think silence is one of those films but uh, at the same time like now that i've given you my asterisks, i i do want to say that i do if you can bear that in mind go have at it see what you make of it but i that's what i got from it and it's a bit weird and but you know it's a yeah. film i do want to watch again and that's that's the weird thing about it it's it's a gorgeous film. it's a weird it's good place to be really good you know it's a really well-made film that i just don't agree with <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey that's a great way to see it actually all right, I'm going to knock four out right now because right. I want to move on to the top. And I'm going to start this uh, knocking out of the four with uh Spider-Man Homecoming as an honorable mention uh, because I had a great time watching this movie. My kids love this movie. I think, to me anyway, it's the best superhero movie to come out in 2017 right after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, mm. which is also an honorable mention that I forgot to add that I'm doing now. <laughs> I did not either of those,
2: although I really did enjoy them and I disagree on the superhero yeah. thing, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you disagree on the superhero thing? I'll tell you later.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. But, uh, so, uh, I really think that these are two really fun movies. Uh, I think that, uh, they finally got Spider-Man right. Uh, this is a Spider-Man that's for this generation. Finally, I think that this is a very, uh, Oh, well, it's a very good film. I'll leave it at that. Fuck it. Uh, And uh, so the same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I still uh, hold that one in high regard. I've watched it recently and I really love it. I think they did a great job in developing those characters. And it's a contained story as well. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be launched into any other thing. It has to do with them. So you don't necessarily have to plug into the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe in order to enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy Mm -hmm. Volume 2. And I think that is a bonus for it. The other ones are going to be Alien Covenant, uh, Blade Runner 2049, and War. War for the planet of the apes, uh, Alien Covenant, I have nothing but love for the film. Uh, even if there are problems with the movie, mm-hmm. I uh, i think it's a really solid film. I think it's Ridley Scott's fuck you to the alien franchise as well. I think he's trying to develop something a little bit more meaningful than this that black giant xenomorph.
1: Yeah, and yeah. he's
0: basically saying to people, Here, I'll, I'll make the less interesting parts of the movie with the alien so that you guys can leave me the fuck alone. And it was really great to see that because mm-hmm. that is not the most interesting part of the movie. The most interesting part is David and how crazy David is. And I'm looking forward to seeing where he can go with that. Uh, we had a great episode on it. It's one of our yeah, most listened to episodes as well on alien covenant. We had.
2: It was a really good time. Yeah. Didn't make my list or honorable mentions, but I, I yeah. agree. You know, I do think the film is, it has a lot of merit. Uh, I think it's a great, um, creator story. And just the many capacities that a creator can interpret their own work and other work and how they have to deal with interpretation with that. It kind of ties into some of our other conversations this year. I, I think it's a great insight into Ridley Scott more than anything and his battles so with too, Alien. Yeah.
0: And even in his most recent comments, what he was saying that he wants to come back to Blade Runner, which I completely yeah, exactly with. Yeah, I he believe. really should Go not do away. that. <laughs> yeah, Go exactly. No way. He's already uh, trashing Villeneuve's film. And he's like, oh, it was it's too gone. long. I wouldn't have made it like that. And you're like, oh, don't do that. Don't just <laughs> God, do something else, man. Go yeah, away.
2: E- yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> as much as I love Ridley Scott, Blade Runner 2049 is a solid, solid film by Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. I think it looks great. The story itself, I think it did need to be that length. You could have shaved off maybe 15 minutes, fine. But uh, the yeah. one thing that I agree with, and Villeneuve in terms of length was that he just let that, like a, a great bottle of wine, you let it breathe just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of those movies. Blade Runner 2049 is gorgeous. I think the story is really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of subversion going on when we were talking about in our conversation, the idea of taking that story of the one and saying, yeah, fuck that. No yeah, way. You're absolutely. not important. No, and I think I, that was great. You I, know? It's, so it's,
2: Blade Runner is also on my um, honorable mentions as well. Uh, again, I love how it deals with the many forms of, uh, identity, you know, gender, sexuality, heritage, that kind of thing. Things that influence our, our identity and how we come to terms with that. Uh, societal is also one. Um, and uh, you know, it, it kind of actually does tie out a bit with the individuation stuff we've been talking about lately in Star Wars, but like, still, right. same sort of idea. How we come to terms with these, how the individual exists. In a world so big and so grand and so full of shit. Uh, And uh, I think it's a lovely film. I I think it honestly had its heart in its right place. Uh, and it's also a good thriller. I think it keep, it, it draws yeah, you man. along the whole way through it. Uh, so it doesn't feel anywhere near as long as it actually was.
0: You're absolutely right. Yeah. And the last one was uh, War uh, for the Planet of the Apes. The first time I saw the film, I wasn't uh, too interested in it because the title is very misleading. It isn't <laughs> a war at all. It's actually a war for Caesar's soul, which is uh, even more affecting the second time I watched it. Because I remember coming home and telling my 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 kids and my telling Leslie... That uh, I didn't particularly enjoy this uh, last mm. installment in the, in, in the the Apes, the New Apes trilogy, and they were kind of like, "Oh, they were bummed by that because Rise and Dawn are really solid." Really, yeah, I wasn't films. expecting that at all. Mm-hmm. And when I uh, I uh, I bought the film uh, on iTunes and it was uh, cheap because they wanted to see it. And I sat down and I watched it with them and I was like, well, Jesus Christ, look at that. I was wrong. This is really solid. This is a really, really good movie. And I think it was really well crafted. It's a good story uh, to show that vengeance isn't necessarily the best option because you're not only putting yourself in danger. You're putting everything you've worked for in danger and trying to maybe get a little bit of self-satisfaction in knowing that you were able to take care of something or get revenge on someone for doing something specifically to you. But at the same time, it's fun to see how Caesar goes from seeing the big picture to actually being only selfish and going back to seeing the big picture yeah. of what mm-hmm. he's supposed to represent. And also having that double in Woody Harrelson, the, the, the putting him against someone who's somewhat like him, who's acting on selfishness, who thinks that he's doing something for the greater good, but yeah. not necessarily. He thinks he is, but it's a very perverted and corrupted version of that. You know, the fact that yeah, he's still his son and all that stuff. You're like, oh, shit, this is all self-preservation so that he can stay alive but what does it all mean in the end if you can't necessarily have anything to share it with and if it's all based on basically killing a bunch of people not necessarily the best thing either (laughs) and so I really think that War of the Planet of the Apes is a solid um, I won't say ending to the franchise of Mm. uh, the new planet of the apes movies but uh this is easily one of the most solid trilogies that have come out in recent years there is not a dull movie in these absolutely it's very much par for the course bang 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 three home runs in a row so yeah give yourselves a chance if you guys want to do it go ahead this is one of those really interesting character arcs with caesar and war of the planet of the apes really puts a nice cap into the whole thing
2: yeah, absolutely. It didn't, it did make honorable mentions. I, I totally agree. There's not a bad film in that trilogy. It's fantastic. And I, like, it's even funny. Like, I thought the, the war title. You got, um, like, personal war. And, uh, yeah. and like, for the, for me, it was more like, uh, because the film plays in so many homage elements to cinema. I thought that war was kind of like the old war film homage, like a, like a, you know, like, yeah. because it's basically a prison break. And that's kind of reminds me like the Great Escape and films like that, you know, like these, these old war films that are more about the people in the war than the big battles themselves. Uh, so. Yeah it's kind of like how Star Wars works there's very little actual war in Star Wars kind of similar Makes idea yeah. uh, so it, it was, uh, I thought it was a cute little homage to that I think that the story you told is really good it's a bit messy and I like that as well it, it, it plays with narrative structure in a lot of fun ways I think it's just a really good film uh, so yeah. yeah absolutely agree that it yeah, recommended yeah rounding out uh honorable mentions I'll save one because at this point I know it's in your top 10 if you haven't mentioned it so cool other ones that I'm less sure about super dark times uh it's nice. a film that i i pondering i enjoyed the the film itself even if i was always iffy about the ending what <laughs> what what it means most to me is that i loved our experience of breaking it down on the fly i think yeah. i have such fond memories of just like what what were we planning to say and then what we ended up saying was just the, the fact that we had both seen something that affected us somewhere deep and yet we had no real way to express it until we started bombarding each other with crap on on different things <laughs> until we started carving yeah. an actual image of what this film was and I, I i i associate that experience and i think that people will get a similar experience as well discussing this film and uh, it mm. enhances super dark time so much because it is rich like that it's got some of the greatest characters in in in, in films this year so relatable so enjoyable and the story is is good very weird interpretive iffy story full of dreams and weirdness and i think a lot of people will hate that and a lot of people will connect to it and it's it it's it's worth the plunge just to see but see it with a friend and see what the fuck they make of it because that's how it worked out for me and so yeah there's that uh did not did not make my honorable mention yeah well fair enough i'd say another honorable mention is uh and, and i'm not sure if it's on your top ten or not but it's split Pardon me, sir, I think you have the wrong car.
1: What are we doing here?
2: What the hell is going on? I was sent to get you for a reason.
1: There's a flower on the pillows, a flower in the bathroom, like we're important.
2: The only chance we have is if all three of us go crazy on this guy. Who is that? Maybe she can help us.
1: We're here! Help us! We're here! Don't worry. He's not allowed to touch you.
2: He knows what you're here for. He listens to me. My name's Hedwig. How old are you? Nine. I've never seen a case like this before. 23 identities live in Kevin's body. Who are you?
1: Help me get out of here, Hedwig. Are
2: you trying to trick me? I'll tell on you. Aren't you the clever one? An individual with multiple personalities can change their body chemistry with their thoughts. Someone's coming for you.
0: Who's coming?
2: The beast.
1: There's a man here. He abducted us and he's going to kill me. We're meant for something. Something horrible. The world will understand now.
2: The beast... Is real. He's done awful things to people, and he'll do awful things to you.
0: Completely forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> forgot about Split. I forgot about shame. Split. Oh shame.
2: I fucking loved Split. Uh, it it's was. Good. It's one of those ones that I was actually like because I enjoyed it so much. I argued whether it was in the top ten. I don't think it's a perfect film. That's that's let's be no. serious i think it's, it's, it's fun though it's good it's just very fun we were spoiled for brilliant horror this year i think this is in review the lesser of at least two big horror films And in that shadow it kind of gets forgotten a lot but uh what can you do i loved it but i, I love talking about the film i think it was a really fucking weird conversation we had about it and uh i think a lot of people <laughs> yeah, will definitely. absolutely enjoy split i think it's it's just a really fun film it's uh, a really
0: fun film. I completely forgot about it, though. Yeah, but I, I definitely should go on my honorable mentions as
2: well. But. Absolutely. And as far as honorable mentions goes, that's me. There are two other ones that I know you're going to be talking about anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Cool. I'll, I'll let you bring them up.
0: My last honorable mention is a TV series called Mindhunter. Hunter. Uh, go watch it. Yes. Made for Netflix. It's a David Fincher project, uh, so it looks great. And I, I mean, it's just a procedural, but it's done with with a really, really intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, dread and terror throughout you know with basically uh, behavioral psychology the development of that interviewing serial killers it's really really fascinating so that was my last honorable mention my name is bill tench this is my partner holden ford we're from the federal bureau of investigations behavioral science unit we're doing research interviewing men like you if you do go to
1: you definitely need to meet ed kemper they call him the co-ed killer
0: do you think the kemper would talk to us try stop him Shepard finds out you've been interviewing the co-ed killer, he'll flip his shit. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. So you're just gonna say and do whatever you want. We decided
1: no one was beneath our contempt. And that snail didn't change her mind. What happens to these men is normal, but the way that they process it is not.
0: I just decided to kill them.
2: It is not our job to commiserate with these people. Hello, ladies. It is our job to electrocute them. I truly believe there is a vein here that needs to be mined. If you don't like it, go back to your bed college kids and we'll forget all about it. Certainly our goal is to be preemptive.
0: We're the FBI, Holden. That is not our goal. Yet. So yes, right. let's
2: get into our I, yeah, top ten I, I'm films I'm more than of surprised we haven't stepped on each other's toes in the top ten categories. Up till now? Yep. so So, no. we have all the same films, or we have totally different fucking top tens. <laughs> oh, no, you, you,
0: you, step, you stepped on one of them, but I just didn't react to it. Oh, okay, cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, so, uh, yeah, you have two top tens.
0: I don't have two top tens, I have two in my number ten spot.
2: Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, uh, so I'm going to start by saying that th- these are tied because I s- I'm still processing Both of these films. I'm going to start by uh, saying that the first one is uh, The Post, directed by Steven Spielberg. When I watched the film, I was slightly bored by it. I thought Mm. it looked like it was shot fast and it felt like a play. And I mean, it's kind of annoying to me because you could tell where Spielberg was standing in the room at all times. However, the film hasn't really left my mind yet. And I've slowly started noticing the craft that. Spielberg was actually trying to go for Mm -hmm. it's like a 40s and 50s style you know uh, well I mean an aesthetic that reminded me a little bit of Ace in the Hole or Citizen Kane you know the usage of deep focus uh and all that so to show like the the, the, how big the newsroom is and whatnot and so I thought that was cool and not only that the -the over-the-top performances like Hanks is doing something that's kind of akin to a 1950s businessman, absolutely. news guy, a little bit. It reminded bit, you know. me of,
2: uh, what do you call Josh Brolin in Hail Caesar a little bit. <laughs> there you go.
0: Absolutely. So good that you'd bring that up. That is exactly what you're talking, perfect. And I mean, even like, uh, he's also, I mean, Spielberg is actually mixing in a 1970s uh, shoulder cam style as well, like kind of documentary. Like, so by mixing all these things, he's kind of bringing it into today, you know? Yeah, so I think absolutely. it's like a, a kind of, a, of, a, of, a, of a mix of so many different things. Which is great. So at first when I was watching the film, I found it kitschy. I was like, meh, Spielberg can do a little bit better than this. Mm-hmm. But then I'm coming around to thinking that this is actually really a solid Spielberg film that is using so many different tricks of the trade uh from past generations to show that we're actually in the same place we were you know, maybe 50 years ago, uh, 30 years ago and whatnot with regards to how the press is being uh, taken down
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: and yeah. how we have to be careful about that because we need to get that news out there. Mm-hmm. And so that would be for me for the post. It's one that I'm going to rewatch. And I think that on subsequent viewings, this might actually go up the list a little bit Fair because enough. it's solid. Yeah, it's yeah a really, I agree. Really I, did, I got
2: the chance to see it as well. I, I really dug it. I wouldn't say it was top 10. i I would begrudgingly maybe give it an honorable mention, but to, it just depends how it strikes you. I, I love what you're saying about it, so, I mean, that at least there's a conversation to be had, but for me, it, it right. never really struck like a, a core other than just plain enjoyment, so, yeah. <laughs> there
0: you go. And uh, the second film that's uh, at my 10 spot on the list, mm-hmm. I know I'm not supposed to be naming numbers, but it's anyway, they're there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Call Me By Your Name. It's an excellent film, although I have to say... As I was watching it, I didn't feel anything. I was yeah. kind of like, eh, all right, fine, you know, but the conversations I've had with people about the film have made it interesting. More fascinating, to me. It's yeah. one of those movies. I know what it's about. I'm looking, I'm watching it and I mean, it's a fascinating. I mean, how can I Yeah. It?
2: To me, it's like, I, like, I, I describe it as a
0: postcard movie yeah 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 absolutely yeah man that's a great way to put it you know and i I bet even the romance story is very relatable i mean the fact that uh, the director was able to make this like to show that there's patience involved that there's awkwardness involved and that you're trying to read the other individual Mm -hmm. to see if there's actually interest there or not and I mean, some people have talked about it as a coming out story, and I kind of disagree with that. I think that it's a label that's way too charged for what's actually on display. Mm. And I wouldn't want people to say that the reason they don't watch the movie is because they've never really had to come out, so it's not something that's going to appeal to them. That's true. Yeah. I'd rather say to them, you've fallen in love at some point in your life, or you've desired someone or something immensely. And that's why this is a film for you.
2: Absolutely, this is a
0: universal love story. It just happens to be between two guys, and it doesn't really matter. I think that that's even a bigger message: is that you'll find these things in pretty much any relationship you have, whether it's if it's a heterosexual relationship or a homosexual relationship. uh, You know, as I describe it, Uh, to me,
2: it was all it was the three bisexual relationships in this film. So I mean, there you go. I mean, it's it's that open uh, and interpretive to where and so, people uh, fall but that's also to show how little it matters where they fall you know it's more about the, exactly. the actual that, people the involved and how they felt
0: and that's what i thought was great is that this felt like real people mm. and that's what i loved about the story is because that's why i find it's relatable even though i've had no homosexual experience mm. i've felt exactly what those guys are feeling for each other with the relationships i've been in with Yeah. And I understand it. So that's why I think it's even more powerful than saying it's a coming out a coming out story or a coming of age story. Yes, 100 percent. But a coming out story. I'm a little bit on the fence with that because that takes something away from my experience, because I feel attached to these guys no matter what, I think that this is a beautiful story that needs to be told mm-hmm. and you shouldn't label it that much. Now, I understand that that's a little bit of a touchy thing and that's why I want to have more conversations with people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, that, that have, have been through a similar situation that I can't speak of, yeah. you know, so that they can enlighten me and so that I can understand a little bit more yeah, of why it should be labeled I, as such.
2: I, I, I totally understand how important this film is to to the to the lgbtq community just because it's it it, it absolutely plays down the drama involved right with okay being yeah makes sense not straight you know not hetero instead it just tells a story you know it just tells these characters without all the the middle context drama because it to them and to most people it just shouldn't be such a big deal and this film knows that and it doesn't make it a big deal and in fact it makes it a little bit of an influence in the back of a mind of a character but it's all done internally and it's not it's only near the end of the film does it really approach anything close to trying to to pin down what it's actually trying to talk about uh right. and that's i mean that's that's why it's kind of only because of that is why it's sort of like a, a honorable mention not my top 10 is because right. that preaching us did it took away from something of the, the free-flowing, beautiful nature of the film, where it was all experiential. I think it was a bigger statement then, down before the yeah. the father character comes out. And I think a lot of people will connect to that speech, and that's important for them. Uh, I, I'm i not going to... I mean, that some people just need to be told that, you know? And uh, that's fine. I, I think if you love the film and the speech involved, fine. I think that the speech maybe pins too much down when the rest of the film is so open and so... Free, right, okay. uh, and and that's why to me it kind of lost a few points. That and like you, I uh, also didn't personally super feel anything. I you know I related to it absolutely because who hasn't you know wanted something that bad? But um, exactly yeah, that's what's I, cool but I didn't that. feel like I I I I know myself that I I've been through it, so I know that I don't have to think about it. But that doesn't mean that I can't say it's a beautiful film or a film that I know I can mm-hmm. see exactly why people are relating to it because. It hits the nose on a lot of feelings that people might just not be able to bring forward without an example of how it works in the world. And Call Me By Your Name Mm -hmm. is one of those potential examples that people can say, you know, the way I'm feeling is like how this film shows how I'm feeling.
0: Yeah, okay, that's That's, great.
2: That's something that is hard to find, and it's very personal to the person who watches it. And I think it's a very, like kind of like a ghost story, very personal, emotional film. So I think that a lot of people will get charged reactions from it here and there just based on how it relates to them. So that's why, to me, it's an honorable mention because I admire that anybody can make a film like that. I know I for- certainly could never make a film like that. How do you write a film I have like no that, idea, man. you know, so I... It's I, really I, impressive. Mind is blown by the craft involved. Uh Yeah. But at the same time, the point of it is very charged on whether you are emotionally connected to it or relate to mm-hmm. it in such a way that it moves you to somewhere and... It didn't do that for me. And so that's why I can't give it the credit. There were 10 films that did that more for me. So that's why I didn't get there. But at the same time... That's why
0: I'm including the conversation. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. The conversation is fascinating. And
2: I think it's such a positive one that people should all be taking part in, be very open to people getting it wrong and and uh and, and and also getting it more right than others and just be aware that right. have empathy for the people you're talking to because everybody gets something different from it just try to meet each cool. other in the middle but it's a great film the conversation's super fun uh everything we've been a part of so far as well i i i've just had a great time talking about it i think it's a great film yeah uh so yeah for my number 10 uh uh, it's going to be a film. It's actually it's it's kind of similar to "Call Me by Your Name" in that it focuses around a homosexual relationship. It's it's a film called "God's Own Country," uh, and it's a it's a film I no one is talking about. I don't think anybody saw, <laughs> which is a shame because it's beautiful. It's it's a fucking gorgeous gorgeous film. Uh, for the premise, for those who don't know, it is about a uh, a boy who lives with his parents, and his parents run a farm. And his dad is slowly coming to that age where he might be maybe passing away someday soon and it's it's maybe time that the son kind of ups his duties and takes on more responsibility dealing with how he comes into his own on the farm and his first decision is to bring a farmhand on he's a Romanian man and he uh he helps around to the farm he's actually brilliant at the farm work and the two develop a very uneasy working relationship slash you know sexual relationship uh and right. and it's 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 a Fascinating. I mean, it's it's easily my favorite relationship of 2017. The film shows that, that sort of messy intersection of desire and duty, like none other that I've seen. Uh, it, it 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 too. Like Call Me by Your Name removes the drama of the context of the day. It's uh it, right. it also doesn't do the whole playing up the fact. Oh my God, they're gay. It's all background to the relationship that develops between these two people who one needs the other and one loves the other and it's uh it's, it's so good and, and, and it's just one of those films that is incredibly relevant again like call me by your name in uh and how it relates to how people desire others uh it, it hits on the on the same notes in relationships but it's one that really moved me more i don't know maybe it's the the physical nature of the relationship it's very aggressive uh maybe it's the camaraderie about the the position that they're in and it's it's not sort of like a uh, ideal holiday scenario where nothing matters and you have the time to explore yourself there's a pressure on it uh and in that pressure he's trying to make too many things work the main the main character uh, and and how he kind of deals with that and crumbles with that and tries to make amends for his mistakes which he makes constantly it's fascinating, and I, I just absolutely, I, if you haven't seen it, and I'm almost certain most people who are listening have not seen it, it is, it is a beautiful film. I haven't, yeah. I think a lot more people should have seen it, but more than that, it's it just how I felt about it at the time, and still feel about it now, I think is 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 well worth deserving of a, a spot somewhere in this unordered top ten. And just because it flowed with Call Me By Your Name, I, it, it came out first.
0: <laughs> Good stuff, alright, so, my number nine... Is uh, Good Time. Good Time. Directed by Benny and Josh Safdie and the stars uh, Robert Pattinson. And this movie is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it is bonkers from end to end. It is wonderful. It's about a bank heist gone wrong. It's 12 hours in the life of a guy who gets his mentally ill uh brother into trouble but then tries to get him out of trouble cool by trying to like uh, sell drugs and just kind of it's just a mind fuck of a movie and i, I it was the same thing as when I, I had kind of a similar reaction when i was watching call me by your name i was like how do you write a film like this <laughs> how do you sit down and then just be like yep uh, it's gonna be like this first act third uh, second act third act mm-hmm. this is what's gonna happen yeah that's fine but <laughs> It's just one of those movies that it, it, it just keeps running and running and running. It is so fast paced, hmm. and it was brilliant. I, I watched this. It was uh, December thirty first. This was my my last movie uh, before uh, kicking in the new year. I watched this and I watched Empire Strikes Back right after. But Good <laughs> Time was one of the best ways to close out the year, and it made it shot up onto my top ten of the uh, of the year because it's just it's just so great. The performances are absolutely wonderful in this movie, and I like the dilemma. Uh, that I was left with, uh, where I was thinking, uh, does this guy actually love his brother, or does he just feel guilty for getting him into trouble? Mm. Because if he really loved him, why would he take advantage of him by bringing him to the bank heist in the first place, yeah, and then right. ultimately ditching him to save him, you know, instead of saving him? I mean, and it's it's just really fucking cool. Yeah. You know, you're watching this, and you're like, this is what happens when you don't think things through, and you're just acting on reflex. And it's great. It's a movie that I have to rewatch so that I can really look at what's being done. Like, just a, from a movie making perspective. Mm. But as a story, I was just invested in this from beginning to end. I can't even tell you if I blinked. As, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? This is insane. And it was really, really great. It was a great time. So good time is a great time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> cool. Uh, from very fast to very, very fucking slow uh a film and it's i think the last of the films that i think no one has seen is uh a film called Song of Granite it's an irish film okay it's a foreign language film it's actually in uh gaelic i, I didn't know anything about it it's even harder to explain it afterwards Te- it's actually okay a biography right it's it's a biopic uh, about a, nice. uh, about a irish it's called Sean Moss singing it's like folk singing a traditional irish singing Guy was called Joe Heaney. Okay. And it's a biography of his life. But the fascinating thing is, I've never seen a film like it. And that's why I want to recommend it. Uh, and, and it's going to be hard to justify because I, I, what I'm going to say next was that I fell asleep four or five times throughout the film. It's like, like my year seven samurai. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept the fatigue washed over me. But that's kind of weird because it's kind of what the film was going for. It's actually told, like, these are the points of a person's life that played the most influence on their life to them so okay a lot of the the first half of the film is him being in this place in Galway this Irish-speaking community and he's a kid and he's growing up and it's mostly tranquil and still and nothing is happening a couple of conversations here and there but loads of just like walking around walking past lakes uh just nothing like it's like almost like uh, 45 minutes to an hour of nothing nothing happening uh, and the occasional kind of singing challenge that kind of thing and it jump cuts right like somewhere like well i wouldn't say jump cut but it kind of definitely fades very quickly to almost the end of his life where he's gone through uh a folk career that traveled to new york and made himself a name of this band of folk irish singers and it's incredible it's so weird it's it's there's so much remorse and longing in this part of the film for the tranquil boring part of the first film it's so it's 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 like a dream and a lot of it plays with the idea the nature of poetry how uh folk stories are related uh how how the the actual meter and and structure of poems and how the the questions they can ask and how it almost like the undecidability that kind of thing like there's too much in the words to ever get across fully i think i've never seen a film like it it's gorgeous and it's boring as fuck and it's and it's also exciting by the end of it the the fact that it has any beat at all by the latter half almost feels like an adrenaline rush for the fact that the first half has nothing in it so uh song of granite incredible film uh absolutely recommend uh i don't i have no idea how anybody will get a hand on it there must be some itunes somewhere that supplies it but um yeah, I, I expect no one to like it. Uh, I just think it's one of those films like, how do you get to make this? And how does it turn out so well kind of films? Uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful films. So that's my, it's not a, It's not number nine. It's just in there. It's in the mix.
0: All right. So I took a screenshot. Song of Granite,
2: directed by Pat Collins. Yeah, that's right. Cool.
0: Sounds right. interesting. I'm looking forward to falling asleep. To yeah,
2: you. absolutely. <laughs> I think it's unavoidable.
0: If it is exactly how you described yeah. it, then that's exactly yeah. what it's going to be. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> All right, moving up the list. Mine is, uh, number eight, is a uh, made-for-Netflix
2: documentary called Icarus. I was thinking that it would start, I ask you questions, and you answer yes or no. Were you the mastermind that cheated the Olympics? Yes. Today, the World Anti-Doping Agency suspended Russia's sports drug testing lab. 99%
0: 99% of Russian athletes are guilty of doping.
1: It's worse than we thought. If this is true, it is an unimaginable level of
0: criminality. I was helping to facilitate one of the most elaborate doping ploys in a sport history.
2: This goes all the way back to 1968. Every sport. Was Putin aware of the
1: existence of the Russian doping system? Yes. We are top level cheaters. this all can be proved, it's quite mind-blowing. New York
2: Times is breaking
0: tomorrow. Tomorrow! That has the potential of affecting the credibility of all sport. Why would I watch an event that's fixed?
1: Danger? Yes. Wrong. Oh, I need to escape. Putin will kill me. Holy shit.
2: Putin calls the claims the slander of a turncoat.
1: Two people connected with the Russian doping program are already dead. There never was anti-doping in Russia, ever.
0: Be very careful what was your recording. Icarus is directed by Brian Fogel, and it's about this amateur cyclist. Mm. who uh, goes on the supersize me route where he decides to test performance enhancing drugs on himself and in- put himself into competition or amateur competitions for, for biking. So what he wanted mm-hmm. to do is go into a competition with no drugs and to see how he performed and then the year after that train for it and use per- performance enhancing drugs in order to see how he would fare with-, with the drug use. He does see his performance enhanced but something goes wrong throughout that second one so he does in place necessarily as well but the interesting thing about the documentary is it takes a sharp right turn in the middle of the film where he gets in contact with a russian doctor who's in charge of a laboratory and this leads to him uncovering a huge drug scandal involving the russian government and their manipulation of the anti-doping laboratory then enabled him them to cheat during the, Russia, the, the Sochi Olympics.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: And I think they mentioned it in the doc that this goes back, like the whole scandal goes back to the 70s. And this is with the, 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 the doctor is uh, Grigory uh, Rodogenko. Right. And oh, this is a huge wake-up call. Uh, Mm -hmm. In terms of how people are not necessarily just invested in the sports, but invested in how to win medals in the most deceitful fucking ways. And this is one of the reasons I don't watch the Olympics is because I'm like, there's too much politics in the Olympics. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It just gets weirder and weirder. (laughs) But the documentary itself, I mean, I was watching it because I i, I like watching documentaries about mm. this stuff. I like the idea behind the documentary where the dude is like, you know what? I'm going to do the, go the supersize me route and I'm going to try the drugs yeah, on myself. Yeah, and I great was like, concept. what a great idea. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So that would be interesting. But then the surprise of where it heads, you know, this guy is now in the witness protection program in the United States. The Russian government have, have, are watching his family in Russia. He hasn't been in contact with them. It is just a – Mind fuck of whoa. a movie where you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting this at all. I thought I was just going to chill in the afternoon. It's one of those documentaries that I put on and then I, mm. I have a nap eventually through it. Couldn't fall asleep. I was just like, what the <laughs> hell? This is absolutely fascinating. So if you guys like watching a really good informative documentary, you know, go ahead and watch Icarus by Brian Fogle. It is a Fascinating, fascinating breakdown of what the fuck has gone down with how people use drugs in the Olympics, how just how corrupt everything around it is, and it goes up to the highest echelons of the government that are saying, yeah. "All right, we're going to be in charge of the laboratory. This is the the means we're going to do to change the piss, you know, the piss <laughs> tests and all that, so that you can yeah. have the the uh, you know." It's just um, uh, it was just a mind blowing experience to watch this unfold and be like. Holy fuck! This guy just wanted to try something small on himself, <laughs> and it turned into a goddamn conspiracy. It is oh my fantastic. God. So, Icarus, cool. get to that, people. Fucking cool.
2: Yeah, awesome. Uh, get right. This one probably will, like, some people will see, and some will not. It's uh, it's called the Red Turtle. Oh, I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. It's a film. It's a it's a collaboration between Studio Ghibli and uh, Wild Bunch, a French studio. What I loved about the film is how hugely interpretive it is. If you don't know the story, it's it's essentially a guy gets marooned on an island. And at the very start of the film, in his rage, trying to get off the fucking island, he kills a red turtle. And then the story just takes a fucking weird turn from there. It's very, very weird. Okay. <laughs> um, wow. So because it's so interpretive, it's going to lose half its audience. It, it More than any film, it probably depicts the defeat inherent in life better than any other film I've seen this year. It's like choosing and forgetting our battles right. uh, and attempting to conquer the chaos of everyday experience and mm-hmm. our own rage. That, that yeah. all plays heavily into the, the experience this, this, this person has as they go about their day on this, on this island and the, and the weird events that start to take fold and also the non-weird events. How there's also just a, a rhythm that kicks in that, uh, okay. that just, that you just go through day to day and it's very relaxed and it's a very relaxing film, but, it's there's a lot of deeply unsettling notions about it that you have to challenge yourself about and the discussion it would be fascinating uh it's it is one of those films that says a lot of things and means a lot of things to lots of people and also will mean nothing to anybody when it's so boring it's that boring dialogueless film where the guy gets stuck on an island and an hour and a half later it ends you know like it is kind of like that see it for yourself i i absolutely loved it i walked out of it thinking, god that's a gorgeous film uh, mm. and, and one that definitely deserves to be talked about yeah and it's just there it's on the list
0: <laughs> alright next on my list number 7 is Super Dark Times Super Dark Times uh, <laughs> yeah Made My Top Mind 10 uh, directed by Kevin Phillips uh, co-written by Ben Collins and Luke Pachowski and obviously this one is uh, is a mix of so many things. Not only yeah. did I enjoy the movie a lot, because I remember when we actually went in to talk about it, I had just finished, it, finished the, watching the film yeah, 30, like minutes prior 30 minutes prior to, to us so, actually yeah, talking about it. Absolutely starting
2: the conversation, absolutely. <laughs> and so
0: my brain was buzzing. And I've watched it since and it's still fantastic. I love yeah. this. It's, um, it's stranger things with an edge without the <laughs> aliens in it. But at the same time, it plays on that type of nostalgia that I really enjoy. But then there's a big fucking twist of how friendship can be torn apart just because, I don't know, someone is, is just, um, just a little bit too intense to be in mm-hmm. that group and uh, I like that you know like the whole rivalry that there is between uh, guys and what can tear relationships apart I uh, I also love the fact that we were able to talk about it again this is tainted by uh, tainted by the, the fact that we got uh, to see this movie because of the Fantasia Film Festival not only that that we were lucky enough to build relationships with Ben Collins and, and Luke Petrowski on uh, uh, just talking to them off uh, yep, Twitter and absolutely. all that they're going to be coming on the show eventually just getting to talk to Elizabeth Cap and Max Donaldson that were kind enough to give us their time. Super Dark Times is just too much of a a beautiful gift to what we've been doing in terms of the podcast for me to leave off my top ten. Not only is it a solid film, but it is a positive experience for me, and that's why it's one of my favorite watches of the the year. I mean, just the film craft. I I had never seen anything directed by Kevin Phillips. I think this is his first uh, feature feature film. Uh And just to show that much uh, confidence... In directing yeah, absolutely. on the first feature, a feature is absolutely fantastic. So Super Dark Times is on my list because it deserves to be. It's part of my top 10. I want to encourage everyone to see that movie as, uh, as quickly as you can. Go ahead and watch it. It's fucking cool.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, um, the next two I'll talk about, but I'll talk about one now and then talk about one later. They're both. Oscar runners for last year. So okay. I, I don't think... Uh, a lot of people... I doubt I they're on your list just because of the way they fell. But the, to me, they're 2017 movies. Uh, so that's why I'll be talking cool. about them now. I feel... I would feel remiss leaving them off because even a year later, when all these new Oscar films are coming out, I still love these films. And I'll talk about what I would consider maybe the lesser of the two, which is Manchester by the Sea. Mm, yeah. It's a film I, I fucking love. I also, we we had a great conversation about it once with Hermione, was it Hermione? Yeah, Hermione yeah, Flavia. Hermione Flavia was on the show. Uh, on, on on our Atlantic Screen connection next uh, show that we ran during the summer, and uh, mm-hmm. she she <laughs> hated the film. Uh, she, she never understood where the characters came from, and I thought that was so funny. And I, because it's true, and I get it, I I totally understand. It's it's something that you get. It it just depends on how in your face the mistakes in this film are. That they if yeah. they fly in the face of everything you stand for, then you're gonna hate it. I I get that. And you're maybe supposed to hate it. I, I think you kind of should, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, it's still my favorite character study of the year. Uh, Lee Chandler is both a terrible person and someone with whom we ultimately sympathize with. Uh, I like. Yeah. Moreover, the film is actually darkly hilarious, uh, and I, I think that's the real thing. I I laugh my way through this film so much. Because it had such a... You sick, so,
0: twisted fuck. No, no,
2: it's like, there's miserable <laughs> moments, absolutely. I cried as well, but like at the same time, there's so many absurd I clashes... Agree. A, bat- a butting of heads and I, I I lost it so many times so I I've never seen an Oscar film I laughed as hard as I laughed at uh, Ma- Manchester by the Sea but yeah I know it wins it wins a kind of preference there I've never seen that kind of balance done before uh, I think it's deeply complex it's it's uh, one of many films I'll be talking about that deal with human empathy and the challenges that come with that but i uh, i just i absolutely adored it i i i look forward to seeing it again and i don't want it to go unsaid because of how deeply moved i was by it and i didn't okay, get cool. to mention it last year i don't want to give it a fucking you know uh, honorable mention when i do believe it's still one of the best films of 2017 so yeah, for you guys yeah 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 yeah, yeah. putting it on the list
0: oh okay cool uh all right so number six on my list then is dunkirk dunkirk uh, christopher nolan's cool. dunkirk Uh, is one of my favorite movies this year. I've, I went to see it at IMAX. I think it was three times Mm -hmm. and I loved it, loved it, loved it. I still love it. I just recently bought it and I watched it again and I loved it again. And it's just one of the most carefully crafted films that I've seen in 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, uh the story, the way that it's structured is absolutely fascinating. The performances are really, really great. Uh I can understand why people consider this one probably one of uh of uh Christopher Nolan's uh coldest films. Because yeah. it has yeah. nothing to do with it's one it's of those st- it's
2: still got this trademark optimism by the end, but it does revel more in the misery of the of the scenario exactly, yeah. than these other I can films. understand
0: it. The color palette lends itself to yeah, that anyway. Absolutely. It mm-hmm. looks fucking cold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, uh, everything in it is just gorgeous. The way that it's mm-hmm. made, the way that it's structured. And so, I mean, we have a show on it. Uh, yep. We had uh, a great time talking about it. And so if you guys want to know what our real thoughts about Dunkirk are, I'd invite you guys to go uh, listen to our episode on Dunkirk. And if you don't, well, that's not a big deal. All I can do is recommend it. Yeah. Uh, because this will be a, a film that is going to be – Not only studied, but it's going to be considered one of the best all-time war films ever Mm -hmm. put on screen. 50 years from now, people are going to be talking about Dunkirk, whether it's going to be positive or negative, because there has been negative uh, commentary about it, especially with how they handled the French in the film. But as Christopher Nolan has gone on record as saying, this is not necessarily supposed to be a historical mm-hmm. accurate depiction of what happened at Dunkirk, but more of the fantasy uh, and, and the legend that there is uh, of Dunkirk. And that's why it's shaped somewhat like a fairy tale, because yeah. that's how mm-hmm. it lives in the minds of people. But he wanted to tell that story as opposed to be historically accurate. And I think that that's a really brave move on his part because he is a storyteller. And just getting the message of Dunkirk out there was something important to him. And I think that we're all beneficial for actually seeing the film. It's a solid one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Again, I have my problems with it. So that's why it's, it's not featuring on any of my lists. I can't not shake the non-fantasy of it. Uh, I still have my my problems that that fantasy weighed up against the reality is a, it's very easy to say, oh, just imagine it being this way. You know, like I, I, it, it, I, I can't yeah. separate that too uh so that's to me that that um that affects me but that's that's a person by person kind of thing sometimes that won't matter so much i and i cannot flaw i mean the way this film's portrayed the actual story it tells within itself is gorgeous it's great i i i I absolutely i cannot fault a single production about it i totally agree people should absolutely see it that's that wouldn't be neither here nor there at any rate uh the other film uh, From the 2016 Oscars is "La La La" la it's, it's it's moonlight. <laughs> Did your heart I skip? Was ready to walk away? <laughs> oh no, I didn't like "La La La." Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Great, though. But I love Moonlight, yeah, absolutely. It is the better of the two Oscar films, I believe. Not the one I'll watch more, I'll, I'll grant you. I think I'll, I'll easily revisit the the humor of Manchester by the Sea before I ever delve into the depths of, of the identity crisis on show in Moonlight. But I, I think it is a perfectly paced, perfectly told story. I think it's one of those films, like 50 years from now, 100 years from now, when the political background evaporates, hopefully please and we all get better with the black and white divide and how that even affects this character in some way shape or form uh yeah i i still think that even as a period piece of today uh of any day is is gorgeous because of what the character goes through so relatable. Uh, uh, and when I, I, I don't think there's, uh, there's been so many identity crisis films in 2017. I think it's kind of like a cultural yeah, shift right now that people are kind of wondering who the fuck they are. Um, Moonlight was one of them. Uh, And I think probably the best of them. Chiron's struggles with his own identity uh, in the face of his choices will always connect with people on on some form of level. And uh, for that, it did for me. And uh, I wept openly throughout this fucking film. I I think it's gorgeous. And I have such beautiful memories of being there uh but yeah moonlight gorgeous film uh easily top 10 of the year
0: i can't add anything to that because moonlight was one of my favorite films of last year as well i hadn't seen it when we did our list that's but, right uh i mean I, I saw it this year too but it, because it's a 2016 film for me i can't add it to my list but i can also i could just support what you're saying 100 <laughs> percent because it is a gorgeous 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 movie all right uh number uh five on my list uh same as last year it's going to be a docu-series where last year I was talking about O.J. Made in America. This year I'm talking about The Keepers. The Keepers is a fascinating docuseries. I think it's eight episodes. I watched it in two different um, – Sittings? Yeah, sittings. Uh, Well, I mean – i had started watching it on vacation but then my girlfriend got really disturbed by the subject matter which is child abuse by the church mm-hmm. and she was like i can't handle any of this this is too much i can't understand how, how how fucked up people are uh why people in power uh will will take advantage of people like this and then and it mm-hmm. ends up in a murder as well because someone was supposed of to course it does. talk course
2: it because sex sex like taking the sex of people isn't enough of a fucking power abuse having just killing people is the next high isn't it for fuck's sake
0: exactly and Know, and all this tied to the church something that's supposed to be an example of, of good just gives me just gives me a little bit more of a of a of a, um, uh, um my relationship with the church is, is like the the buildings look good i don't give do a shit about the rest <laughs> of. but <Yeah>. um and <laughs> Just seeing more things like this, even with Spotlight that came out last year, this just adds more to, to what has been going on. And I think that it's very timely for the sexual harassment that came out of, um, you know, what we were talking about in terms of the keepers and Spotlight. And this, like I said, in the, the uh, Jason goes for a drives and talks movies <laughs> uh, video that I posted was the, um, the fact that uh, Kathy Sesnick, uh, please go with the Facebook page, go like their group uh because they're still looking for the people trying to uncover who actually murdered Kathy Sesnick and it's just wonderful to you know but it just sucks because most of the people that are involved with this story this happened in the 60s are are, are dead and people that that actually caused the abuse uh and the, the 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 lawyers that are involved in taking the you know defending the church uh you know innocent until proven guilty my ass when it comes to this uh, bullshit yeah. this is mm-hmm. this is this is This is people's lives we're talking about, and I think that the keepers are doing a great job of of showing that sometimes it's not it's not rationale and law do not apply to destroying someone's life the way that these fucking priests did mm-hmm. so and and other people i mean they they the way that they explained it is that you'd have these young girls uh the priest had his his um office inside the school close to an exit, so the girls would be sent there to go confess to, I don't know what he would abuse them in the office. He would bring in some of his friends that were part of the police force and all that stuff. And they would take advantage of these young girls. Fucking Even God. some of them were young boys and it's just fucking disgusting bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, fuck, Anything that has to do with whatever the church is spewing. And there are probably really good people in there and there's some good messages, but the level of corruption that's involved with anything that has been done really outweighs the good that they've done to communities. Yeah,
1: and I absolutely. think that
0: right now, what is fucking cool is that how timely is it that you'll have another church that we take part in that is called Hollywood, that's being taken (laughs) down right now as well. (laughs) You have these giant producers that are somewhat of a mirror of these priests that were supposed to be saying, these are the people in charge, these are the people in power, and look Mm -hmm. at how abusive and corrupt these motherfuckers were as well. I think that The Keepers speaks to how cultural shifts do in terms of systems of belief and how sometimes people in power – no matter how much power they have, you have the power to speak out against the people that are doing these awful, awful, awful fucking things to you. And so I'm really glad that people have been coming together, rallying around the women that have been affected by the industry. And I'm really glad that the, like a show like The Keepers was able to come out in 2017 and speak to a larger problem of people mm. in power. And so do yourselves a favor, watch The Keepers. It is a tough watch, but it is a beneficial watch in the end.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> How to follow up that? Which <laughs> Wait, I'm looking at this list like... I don't have anything it's nearly as miserable of, as that. I'll even show you.
0: Look, I, I just wrote the keepers, child abuse by church, sexual abuse in Hollywood, and then I just went off on a. Race.
2: <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, but it's a great show. No. don't know. Let's uh, let's switch tone. Uh, Wonder Woman. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. So I I'm not gonna kid here. Like Wonder Woman is an exceptionally flawed film. I think we are. Nobody is of the mind that this film is one of those perfect cinema experiences uh of of any year i think the the film even in its relation to the the dceu and its collapsing glory or anything like that but it doesn't matter to me it's it's is the superhero movie i i've never seen a superhero movie that is so perfectly of its genre you know yeah. It is, with all the warts, it is the genre incarnate, and despite all the reason in the world, it had to be a movie made wholly for 2017, it chose to be a movie for history instead. It's, it's a far more passionate story. It wanted its message to not be women can do it better, or even women can do it just as well, but sacrifice and empathy are the two most important traits that all human beings need to learn in order to make this world better i mean there's such a rally cry there's such a war cry to make this film something perfectly just of its time and there are uh, there is a necessity for films to be that in this year and next year and the years to come Uh, especially for women in all avenues of life but wonder woman the woman was more integral to character and and personal relations, something that you embody, and that is that you can look at your fellow man, see it bad, and still try to make it good, right. no matter what scenario you're in, no matter what end of the fence you end up on, uh, and and that's gorgeous and beautiful, and there has no right to be so well told in this blockbuster slow motion action film where a woman kicks the shit out of, the, out of fucking the Fritz, <laughs> you know, like it's <laughs> like. It's messy because all all of that is kind of there's a lot of counterintuitive imagery and, and messages throughout. But the big overarching message never lost me for a second. I, I I don't have the problem that people have with the third act at all. The 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 final battle with the, and it's goofy. I'll, I'll give you that. It is definitely goofy that we get um, David Thewlis. Little pasty little face peeking through a giant helm. Very <laughs> well
0: destroy yeah. you.
2: I don't care. are you supposed to deliver that line? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I think he does a really good job because he knows he has to ham it up. Uh, like he is playing that hatred incarnate. Right. You know that that negative nature of humanity in a person. That whispering voice that tells people to do bad. I, I, I love that. I, I think that there's no other way to play that and have it stick with the audience then have it big and stupid looking you know and, and, and then have yeah. wonder woman take off her bracelets and fucking beat the shit out of him. i love it <laughs> you know like <laughs> that's comic books to me that's 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 the absence of nuance i i <clears> think <throat> there's a there's a place for that in big big spots in 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 cinema lists and 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 oscar glory whatever the fuck that is i think wonder woman right. deserves a spot and and a, a slice of that action i'm not going to argue it i'm not really there are films that Do better with less. (laughs) But I don't care. I I think that uh, there's no superhero film that spoke to me louder than Wonder Woman this year. Take all the things I love about superhero films, all the messiness... Crab it into one weird-ass disjointed mess of a film, filled it with likable characters and weird stereotypes, and still made it work. You know, like I, I loved it. And I, I came out fucking punching the air after I seen that film, uh, in, in, in in fucking uh, Las Vegas when I seen it, and and I seen it a second time with Maria, who was totally meh about it, uh, <laughs> totally, totally about seen a lot it. of things. Totally <laughs> seen it exactly as uh, as as it really should be seen, I guess, because it is a mess. But I I don't care. I don't care. It's one of my favorite films of the year, Very and cool. uh, I'll fight you on it. So
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of films you're fighting people on. <laughs> yeah, though. fuck you. It's
2: Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I'll fight you about how they handled him in the Last Jedi. So fuck you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> speaking of which that's number four on my list
2: it's on mine took. star wars
0: the last jedi yep I, I i i i don't it's not a perfect film obviously but at the same nope. time I, at the same time i think it's a perfect film for what it needed to be and um the more i think about the film the higher it goes up on the list mm-hmm. uh it is it is right there neck and neck with empire strikes back for me right now i am high on on what's been done in this movie i'm very glad because it's a promising direction for for where star wars can be headed and like i said on the episode itself it's part of a, a religion that i believe in that i love uh, even if lee thinks it's stupid shit <laughs> <laughs> and i do but, but i love that stupid yeah. shit
2: all the same i mean it, it yeah. has its place in my heart too um, i can't deny a film that it conflates dying for others as the ultimate sacrifice and, and say that that's not important to me yeah you know like so i'm, I'm not gonna shit on this just because it's a Star Wars because it lacks the nuance of a moonlight. This film is no. important to me and, and I think important to a lot of other people and I think it has Again, like Wonder Woman, messy. It has no right to be as good as it is, uh, but it is. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. And I, and I, I'm actually. I was an. I, I keep getting annoyed that I only got to see it twice before Maria told me I had to stop. And uh, now I'm just now because now I'm just waiting to see it again when it gets out on fucking DVD or something. <laughs> I just, uh, and then the 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 cycle begins. Who stops me then? I mean, that's. Uh, 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 But I'm so excited. Uh, I've not, I've not had that feeling where I'm just ready to revel in something again, like in a, like a maybe unhealthy way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree with it. I've seen it four times, like I said, and I'm planning on going back, uh, maybe once or twice. And the only reason I'm going back is not only because I love the movie is because I won't have the chance to experience it on a big screen like this again. Mm -hmm. You know, going to see it in IMAX here is just such a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I want to have that again. Before I'm condemned to watching it on my TV screen at home, you know. And so yeah. I, this is giant space opera battles, so much conflict, and it looks great. And I mean, you know, people have been shitting on it. We didn't address it on the on the on the show, but we can address it a little bit here. And I'm kind of tired of that discourse of like, oh, it ruined my childhood. What kind of a shitty childhood did you have in the first <laughs> place? If a movie's taking it apart, get a fucking Absolutely. life. People are saying that it's a divisive movie, and I – no, it's because the crybabies cry really loud. Have you (laughs) guys – I went to visit one of my friends this weekend, okay, and he has a newborn. The kid's not even a year old yet. And we're four adults in the room with the child, okay? And once the child starts crying, everyone shuts up. That's exactly how divisive Star Wars is. Mm. It's just because the crybabies are louder than everybody else (laughs) that's trying to defend the film that have a rational way of thinking of things. So if you think that Star Wars has ruined your childhood, go away. Just leave Star Wars to the people that are actually having a good time, Mm. okay? Or better yet, watch the ones that please you. Just shut the fuck up. No one cares. Okay? I had a great time watching it. You had a great time watching it. It's a fucking movie. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Don't go out and start being completely insensitive. Just because you have a computer and you can type these things doesn't mean you should do it. And that's the problem with oh, having yeah. an opinion now. So yeah, yeah, I no, can't absolutely. stand this shit it anymore. Is,
2: yeah. But I, what I'm excited about is that a year from now, nobody will fucking know what this shit is about. Nobody will know what the fucking, the tweets say there were issues with The Last Jedi were, we're talking about. Because this conversation will be dead. Right, so what's your next Last pick? Jedi
0: was fantastic. Yeah, 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 go watch it.
2: Next, uh, what's your, what's your next pick, Jason? Okay, so my number three is Mother. Mother was an honorable mention that I politely didn't bring up. Because I knew the absence of it in your honorable mentions meant it was somewhere high. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love this fucking movie. The more uh, I think yeah. about it, the more I had a great time. And uh, I've rewatched it three times since. And Jesus Christ, is it ever a fun, 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 fun movie? Yeah. It is demented and is demented in all the right ways that is going to tickle my brain the same way as I really enjoyed Good Time. I enjoy Mother unabashedly that way. Is there a, a really strong message into it? Is it a little naive? Sure, but it's the way that it's made that's just yeah. so much more fascinating. And I had a great discussion uh, with you about think, it as well. It was a show that a, the we got best a lot parts of parts
2: of the film. I think that yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's so hugely interpretive, and because of how people reacted to it, like to face it, it was so positive to see people engaging it in it in a way to try like. Uh, I know how to fucking work it out, or I know, it to, you know, it was like a puzzle for people. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, maybe in the first time might be kind of intuitive to people's enjoyment. That's yeah, here and over there. The point is that it was, uh, for us at least, a really good time picking it yeah. apart, piecing shit together. Uh, and we had a really good time about it. I think we all got theories that we enjoy but that's again it's so open that you can, you can go into it and read it totally different from what we were saying uh and uh we encourage that and I, that's it, it is easily one of the most fun experiences of 2017 i will never dismiss that and it
0: goes to show just darren aronofsky's prowess as a director this guy took so many risks and in, in doing it but the organization that went into making the film is another testament to how talented this guy is mm. you know the performances are he can always extract the most insane performances out of it all of his actors i mean look what he did with mickey rourke and the wrestler again natalie portman in black swan mm-hmm. anything that he had to do in requiem for a dream look at how much he made hugh jackman cry in the fountain everything <laughs> is just so insane there's so much fucking passion which is a word i don't necessarily use a lot because i don't necessarily it's a cop-out but mm. i'll use it here because it's just the way i feel about it i think this is a very passionate film about a man who's Fucking angry, and he just decided <laughs> to share his anger with you and let yeah. you deal with it. You know, so this is what this is, this is a purging of emotions, and I loved every minute of it.
2: Absolutely. Again, honorable mention for me wasn't exactly top 10 there were a couple of films i just rated higher than it it was definitely in the in the in the conversation but it it, it didn't didn't happen uh but yeah okay moving on um uh i'll talk about the other film that uh i'm pretty sure you hadn't seen you said you hadn't seen it's the florida project yeah i haven't seen it yet oh cool fuck i love florida project i i (laughs) absolutely fucking adored it again i keep bringing it up like human empathy uh, how does one deal with that in these divisive times? I think we're learning how people have such a lacking when it comes to human empathy, uh, at least when it comes to their developed ability to empathize with others uh right. and I think Florida Project not so much presents a case to how to learn how to get good at empathy, but it is a perfect barometer test for how developed your empathy is at that moment because. There's a lot of negatives in it and there's a lot of positives in it uh, okay. that you kind of have to wrap your head around because it's pretty much real, you know? Uh, for those who don't know the story, uh, it's it's about a project. It's about a, a motel run by Willem Dafoe in which uh, the story centers actually around these children who live with their sort of mothers in this motel and it's all very run down. Uh, one of the, the main girls' mother, in fact, is basically relying on her friends and her contacts to get her a wage week-to-week and you get to see a lot of the kind of desperate things she does to get money to keep a place for uh, a roof for her daughter to live under. Right. And it doesn't go too much into, like, the backstories of these characters. It doesn't tell you how they got there. It's just how they are there. And that's more important because you're supposed to see that and go, fuck, this is, this is just shit. You know, nobody should have to put up with this shit. And even if they have a communal spirit... And even if they, they lift each other up and how it kind of at times breaks apart, how it affects the kids and how sometimes there are, and the weird things in between, like maybe that mother is, is scrapping from job to job because of the decision she's made on her life, but it's yeah. hard to fault how great a mother she is to her daughter, uh, mm-hmm. how, how wonderful, a a, a relationship they have even, and then there's also an argument to say, is that doing the daughter more damage than good? Having that kind of sugarcoated relationship, there are points where a little responsibility would have, would have kicked in and changed things a bit, maybe. But it's not, it's not like a moral story. It's, it's, uh, it's just an experience. It's just one of those. Here it is. These are how these people go day to day. If you ever want to understand that person who rambles to themselves down the street uh, or uh, how they go about their day to day, what they go through and the decisions they make and where it might be coming from. This is just kind of perfect at summarizing that insider view uh, right. in such a way that I believe doesn't sugarcoat anything. and. Okay. On top of that is mostly wanting you to sympathize or at least empathize with these people to give them a little piece of, give them a break, you know? yeah these these are usually the people in society that rub people up the wrong way and uh, people don't take the time to actually think about them and their lives and how they get to where they were even though they're assholes to you right and you kind of maybe we could do better maybe they could do better maybe it's the system behind it all that's forced them to be in this position maybe it's their parents maybe it's something else you know it could be a million and one things not important it's just laid bare and you kind of just have to go from go from there uh, I think the 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 key element to how it's an optimistic film, or at least uh, right. a film that centers on how we should be trying to improve ourselves, is in the way that Willem Dafoe's character, who is this okay. one of the loveliest guys on earth, he does everything in his power to keep these people happy. Uh, he, he himself has has a, a threshold that he even he has to deal with. He has to weigh up the good and bad day to day. He's just in the worst position you could ever imagine somebody being in and right. he puts, he does put a smile on it and he does get on with it because it is where he is and it, it is what he does and that's just his life and he's a good person and he wants to reflect what is a good person in these crazier, hard to define times. I, it's just. I, I could never make a film like this. I could never write a film like this. I could never see myself a part of a film like this. Uh, but I I admire it so much. And I and I loved how it ends. And I loved the characters. I have so many fond memories of it. And I love Willem Dafoe's character, most importantly. It's a great scene where he tackles a shady character who approaches the kids. It's one of the best scenes of 2017. I, I loved the film. And I think everybody should see it. Very cool. All right, so that leaves us with four films to talk about. Maybe. I mean, unless there's two in common.
0: <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Do you want to shoot first? Do I shoot first? Because my, my, the last two I have to talk about are pretty much neck and neck. They're tied
1: uh, mm.
0: because I, I react to them differently. Mm-hmm. One gets me a little bit more emotional, whereas the other one gets me a little bit more excited uh, with regards to uh, film craft and how the message is, is, is shot out.
2: I'll, I'll, so, sp- I'll spoil it now. These are the exact right. same two remaining films on my list. No way. Yeah.
0: Okay. All so, right. That's awesome. I
2: already know what you're picking. So, uh, so. Oh, very cool. Take us so away. So, what do we
0: go for? Okay. Take us away. All right. Well, the two films that we, well, I guess, now, anyway, now that I know, because <laughs> I remember showing, I showed you and you didn't tell me what yours were. So, now yep. this is even better. Uh, both, uh, uh Jordan Peele's Get Out mm-hmm. and Taylor Sheridan's Wind River. Yeah. Uh, um, they're the two movies we're going to talk about. Which one do you want to talk about first?
1: I need emergency assistance. What's your location? The Wind River Indian Reservation. I'm Jane Banner, FBI. Welcome to Wyoming. Are you by yourself. It's just me. That's Corey Lambert. This is where I found the body. This is a homicide. I knew that girl, she's a fighter. They have six officers to cover an area the size of Rhode Island. Maybe you can help. I well, I know what the tracks say. What is it that you do again? I hunt predators. So why don't you come hunt one for me then? Why would a teenage girl be out here? Where's she running from? You're looking for clues, but you're missing all the signs. Shouldn't we wait for backup this isn't land of backup jane this is a land of your on your own oh my god you won't get the answers you're looking for no matter what you find why would your daughter run from home i don't know why you didn't tell me
2: Out here, you cannot blink not ever this place what it takes from us. What it took from you. I oh got lucky. Luck lives in the city. Get
0: your hand on that weapon.
2: Hey. hey! Luck don't live out here. Uh, let's talk about when. I think it's
0: the uh, okay. easier <laughs> of the two. <laughs> it is, yeah. Okay, so Wind River shot up to the top of my list uh, fast. When mm. I sat down, to watch. I, I'd heard so many good things about it. Um, and um, it was the first film that Taylor Sheridan directed. He was um, He's the one who wrote Hell or High Water, which is my favorite film of last year. Mm-hmm. And when I watched Wind River, I had the same exact reaction as when I watched Hell or High Water, whereas I wanted to watch the movie straight away for a second time <laughs> now my girlfriend had just uh walked into uh, the apartment She said, oh well, wait for me we'll watch it tomorrow again and i was like okay good so i put it on and i watched it with her and it's just so fucking good yeah absolutely. it's <laughs> just and i mean from an emotional payoff for me when you look at how the story is you know you'll have this this white guy who's on a um uh who lives on a native american reservation and you go there and it's basically the most desolate, depressing place to be, because mm-hmm. no one gives a shit about this culture anymore, and it 's a sad fucking thing they 're not being taken care of, and there just so happens to be a murder on on the reservation and the basic idea of the movie is to show that these murders that happen to these young women there are statistics, but no one 's keeping track, so these women go missing uh, and no one really knows what happens it 's just part mm-hmm. of the life uh, on, on on that part in that part of the country. And the way that Sheridan shapes this is very he does it very carefully. This isn't a preachy film. This no, is a film that's just all. showing you as a matter of fact how it's done, why it's done, and who are are guilty of doing this. And again, these are abusive males in power mm-hmm. taking all that and just kind of turning it into something super fucking sour because they can't control the stupid fucking urges that they have. So, Wind River is. is uh, Jeremy Renner plays a hunter, and that's exactly what he does in the movie. That's he I mean. tries to hunt down who is responsible for this young woman's murder. Mm-hmm. And the FBI agent played by Elizabeth Olsen she just just goes to show, you know, how they they send the the closest recruit uh, of with the FBI just because you know why would we send someone that's actually really well trained and mm. you know investigating this type of thing? We're just gonna. Ch- send you the person that's just out of the academy that's kind of in over her head that has Absolutely. no real rapport and with I any mean, of the individuals I, 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 there again
2: i would be against that sort of narrative where they they betray the woman as the weak person in this but again it, yeah it is totally overshadowed by the fact that there's so much about strength and particularly female strength in this film yeah that the, the the fact that this is a woman is just to show the culture in it in and of itself that they don't train these women uh, they don't tap into that strength in that bureaucratical uh, hierarchy that is the FBI or those federal bureaus or so on. They, they don't actually take on and, and, and evaluate properly what each person is capable of because we see it in a lot of cases. Elizabeth Olsen is as. For someone with a very lack of training, play someone who has a good amount of instincts in her yeah. to keep uh, at least for survival and investigation. And just her training is what gets keeps getting in the way of her. It's it's more that part of her personality. But I think even just regarding the film, uh, it, the, the greater message like that, it it almost reads like a thesis on strength. You know, um, yeah, both. Pro and con, like the 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 pros are like camaraderie and friendship and kinship and bravery and love and intelligence. Family, Family families is a huge one, and nothing is sugar coated. It's really it's a very uh, like bitter and sorrowful story. These people have to brace hard against hard times, and God, there's so much empathy going around. It kills me. Yeah, as you were saying, just opposed to that is like the negative of strength, which is like that bureaucracy that doesn't see anything because it's too powerful and the the toxic masculinity portrays the wrong kind of strength the physical empowerment over the mental or the intellectual or the empathetical those those are the real traits in humanity that deserve our attention and our development and this muscle-headed horror that we get from these people who are just jacked up and then send out to the world to do whatever the fuck they want is miserable and 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 entirely lacking in empathy and it's it is hard. It is a hard watch, man. It is a very fucking hard watch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it was great to see, you know, that reversal of where, you know, predator becomes prey. And I thought that was interesting. It was like, what happens when the roles are reversed? Mm. How do you react to that situation? Mm-hmm. And being able to get through that and seeing that having the males realize the terror or that they have put women through mm-hmm. is kind of satisfying in a way where you're like, there you go. That's exactly what you deserve. Yeah. It's you got know? some
2: that i have never felt in a film like this i've just i have never wanted some characters to just get fucking killed on screen more than in this film like i was just like yeah take them somewhere dirt bag. take teach him a fucking lesson do it somehow yeah. please because this i have had to watch and some terrible yeah. shit and these people deserve worse
0: <laughs> uh, Tar- taylor sheridan's really good at saying like you know if you really want to get rid of people take them up in the mountains <laughs> That's exactly what he did <laughs> yeah. in Heller High Water, and it's exactly yeah. what he does in Wind River. Uh, and so absolutely. but I love that. And it's juxtaposed. There's a lot of wonderful imagery of the, like how how, how how the winter is cold. It goes with the relationships that people have between each other as well. He uses the imagery very well. There's also the fact that there's going to be these cougars that are outside in the in the wilderness that are are the predators that are that are showing them how to hunt. And at the same time, when you look at how social structure actually works as well, then you have men training men to be predators as well. You know, the levels of craft involved make him deserve the best director uh, accolade that he got at the Cannes Film Festival. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that there are some people out there that said that he still had a lot to prove as a director. And I think that you just stuck your foot in your fucking mouth. (laughs) And so I really, really think that this is a solid film. If this is where he's headed, and this is his beginning as a director, I
2: mean, fucking crazy.
0: hell! I, you can't absolutely. Yeah, what a he, he, he's only par. on par. L- yeah, look at Steph look at Jordan Peele. We're talking about first time directors this year. Yeah. Greta Gerwig is with Lady Bird as well. This seems to be doing a great time. Kevin Phillips with Super Dark Times. Now we've got Jordan Peele and Taylor Sheridan that are actually jesus fucking Holy christ shit, this is great know, it's it is. a fun little revolution that's going on right now so watch wind river buy yeah, it, watch it, it watch it watch it watch it watch
2: it watch it love it no i've that's we've said it so get out
1: you got your toothbrush do you have your deodorant do you have your
0: cozy clothes got
1: right it. what do they know i'm black Should they? You might wanna, you know?
0: Mom and dad, my black boyfriend will be coming
2: up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man.
0: (laughs) I ain't never seen you like this before, bruh. Meeting families, taking road trips. So come back all bougie, man.
2: Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Do you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm gonna quit. She would take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis.
0: I'm good, actually. Are you
1: ready for
0: this? I'm back in beat. So look, I go do my research. <laughs> Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb, but it's cool. bro. how are you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no
1: brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! Yo! Rose, we gotta go. Is everything OK? Rose, the keys.
2: Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Mom, it's a terrible
0: thing to waste. It's a terrible thing to waste.
1: There's too many white people are getting nervous. No. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no.
2: I think it's it's weird, man. It's it's got every indication. And I, I hope it and I feel it that it's gonna be one of those films that just stands the test of time, you know. It's just just one of those oh, all-time yeah. Look back, classic films that there's no debate. Whatever perspective you come in from, you'll get something right out of Get Out. Uh, As a horror film, as an indictment of the the black uh experience in in white america or white anywhere and uh just uh, even as a quote-unquote comedy i mean it does have funny moments it has levity against the yeah. misery i wouldn't call it a comedy but it has funny I have moments. to apologize
0: to, to david hart there because you know a lot of people are coming out and saying it's a comedy and i chastise him on twitter for for kind of twisting my words but then i realized that everyone else agreed except for me so i'm probably in the wrong because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't see it that way but i mean if if i'd have to re-watch and try to pinpoint what the comedy is i think it's uneasy it's maybe dark humor in a sense but at the same time i didn't
2: laugh you know i was just like what the fuck <laughs> but anyway no yeah no i did i did laugh uh, probably at the points for this but there's a comic relief character in there and he made me laugh the rest of it was shock and horror and proper like mouth agape. I cannot believe this is happening, oh
0: yeah, his friend okay, yeah, his friend's funny yeah
2: it is less about where where black people fit in, and again, kind of like Detroit, how fucking fucked up the mentality of white people are <laughs> as a majority yeah. as a, as a, as a, as the as a, in in America and how they treat other races and black people is it's so good at getting to the heart of that fucking issue. In a very metaphorical, very relatable way, and yet not actually saying in the words what what it is really about, you know. It's just, it's just fascinating. It's a fascinating fucking film. But most importantly, the film is like it's just downright perfect in execution. I don't think you can really knock that.
0: That's the thing, yeah. That's what I loved about it is that this to me this this is uh, this generation's The Shining. Mm. Uh, that's why it's going to stand the test of time is that people are, people are going to revisit this and keep finding layers to it. I mean, just on my initial watch of Get Out, I was looking at what, what Peel was doing and I was like, how the fuck are you including all this imagery? I mean, just look, look at the shaving cream scene at the beginning of the right. movie. The idea that he's going to visit his white relatives now and he's actually putting that white shaving cream uh-huh. on him. He's whitening himself in order to oh, get God, into Oh God. Yeah. Actually, got, you know, just little things like that. The, the cotton in the chair. That he uses oh at the my end, God. you know, yeah, that has right. the whole black experience with regards Shucky to how yeah. the <laughs> cotton works, and he uses it to defend himself. He uses the cotton as an empowerment, something that was used in slavery mm. to dehumanize the black people. He uses it as, a, as empowerment to save himself by putting the cotton in his ears. Uh, Anya, Anya Stanley, the, the woman, um, um, who wrote, uh, who writes for a birth movie's death occasionally, put an interesting article about the black buck, the fact that there's a buck on, uh, the fact that he hits the deer at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, but also that there's a buck in the room at the end, you know, goes to talk about a lot of the experience and uh, how, how, um, well, I, I, I won't give you what it is, but I mean, I want you guys to go and read that. So I might actually put the link in the show notes, which is a, it's a fascinating article yeah, on how, um, uh, African Americans have been treated throughout time and that's it just just the amount like you said the precision that there is the confidence in how jordan peel is actually going through the movie is just phenomenal absolutely this is a great fucking story the social commentary is there the levels are there he's actually playing in, in the frame you can see that there are messages there if you just choose to press pause there you can dissect every fucking scene yeah. mm-hmm. that is going through even in the opening sequence when he goes to visit the family all the pictures on the wall detail exactly what's going to happen throughout the Absolutely. entire movie.
2: It's beautiful. Yeah. Even the opening scene of so. the entire film, the abduction of uh, the Keith Stanfield's characters. Uh, I mean, it's, yep. it's an entirely, it's an indictment of the tone of the film. And it has every single element of what's about to happen summarized in two yeah. minutes. Uh, it's, it's just so fucking good. It's, it's like surreal and absurd. It and it, it is funny, but yeah. it's dark and it's scary as, balls and it's a great concept and it works on too many yeah. levels that it's kind of like it is the making of those classic films because you look at those classic films and say how did they get it all so right and get yeah. out is exactly that example how did he get it so right
0: and that's the funny thing is i can't find a fault in it oh. you know it, it is a it, to me is a perfect film even down to the sound design just how it what 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 reaction did you have when you heard a fucking spoon clink <laughs> yeah, in a goddamn fucking, cup yeah. after that? You're just like, oh yeah, shit, the, what the, the fuck, there's, just there's there's a noise
2: art, Even almost an absence of noise when you fall into the sunken place, that boom, and yeah. it just hits you in the pit of your heart, and you just feel yeah. that you go with them, and you're just looking at it, but you know that it feels like zoning out and being out of your body. It's just beautiful. There's so many... Great touches. How? How? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, that that takes, I don't know how long it took him to write this and and how he was basically on set thinking, okay, this is what I'm saying, but this is what I'm showing. Yeah. Because there is a, a fun divide between what's actually being said and shown. And it's great mm. because that's how how the levels work. It's just so fucking creepy. When you watch it again, you see that he kind of peppered out throughout the entire fucking main narrative. Little clues as to what the hell's going yeah. on, just the way that the dialogue is shaped, and you're like i i, I can 't even find that in most films now that 's how good this movie mm-hmm. is, so yeah, get out I mean nothing but praise, nothing, nothing but praise. Yeah. the same thing for Wind River, either tied neck and neck, but for very different different experiences for me. One has got me more on an emotional level, and the other one's got me more on on a on a on a cinematic level where it's just just prowess yeah, on absolutely. Display. <laughs>
2: So we did it. We, we somehow got through it. Top 10. Yeah, man. But that's
0: it. That's it for us, man. Uh, 2017 was a really good year for movies. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward. To, I have so many movies to look forward to from 2017 that I haven't seen yet. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. It, personal shopper, like three billboards. Florida Project is probably one I'm going to watch this week. And, you know, sadly, I won't make my list because Too late. I won't have seen it. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tweet it out. I'll just replace number four or five. <laughs> doesn't matter. We'll see. <laughs>
2: yeah. Or didn't make the cut. Either way, doesn't matter. <laughs> right.
0: So the run, the rundown for me, the ten spot will have the post and call me by your name. Then it goes to Good Time, Icarus, Super Dark Times, Dunkirk, The Keepers, Star Wars: The Last Jedi,
2: Mother, Get Out. Yeah, those was the I have no particular order. This is just a random collection of ten. So don't read too much into it. I printed them out in a page. I jumped about. So like literally, this is just a list, a collection. Wind River, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Florida Project, Song of Granite, The Red Turtle, Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight, Get Out, Wonder Woman, and God's Own Country. Uh, yeah, so check out all of those. They are super great.
0: That's it. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the breakdown. We hope the show is not too long.
2: It uh, will
0: We had a great time <laughs> uh, so far in 2017. So that's it. Well, here's to 2018. We already have a show out on Star Wars The Last Jedi. Go, go check that out, obviously. And uh, that's it. Lee and I are going to be taking a break for a while. We don't know what the hell we want to talk about uh, next. Uh, we still have the Guillermo del Toro retrospective that we have to finish. But we, like I said at the beginning, I need to clear my head. I have to find other things to do I need to shape up my uh, my apartment I make it look nice and whatnot. so I want to put m- movies on the back burner for, for a little bit just so that I can kind of recenter myself and come back and ready to attack uh, something that's going to be coming out sometime in February
2: yep same here
0: <laughs> so that's it for us this week uh, be sure to follow Atlantic SC on Twitter go like our Facebook page follow us on Instagram we'd love to get your feedback there we post a bunch of stuff there as well I, I, we, you know what we haven't had a review on iTunes in a long time or even on SoundCloud we'd love that if you guys would leave us a review yeah, it'd be cool. fun you know, get a couple of things that you guys haven't offered us a Christmas present yet <laughs> or a Happy New Year's <laughs> gift so that'd be really awesome I'd love yeah, that yeah I that'd know. be great just a couple of reviews that'd be great we haven't had a review in a long time so. even if it's hateful But uh, <laughs> that's all I'd ask I know we're not supposed to ask too much from our audience and I don't think we do maybe patience because our show's a lot yeah that's true that's true <laughs> but other than that that's it my name is Jason Michael I had a great time Lee where can we find you and, um,
2: you can find me on Twitter at Lee Paul Brady same on Instagram and and then yeah just follow the, the website at SC or the website AtlanticScreenConnection.com we've got stuff there
0: Coolio so thank you very much to everyone uh, who's been super kind to us this year and fuck you to everyone who hasn't <laughs> happy 2018 and we're going to see you guys sometime soon we just don't know what our return date is So stay tuned. Love you all. Bye-bye.